Welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smog. Episode 32. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Drop by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Gonna toss it, gonna taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. And we're the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers. This is a special The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smog. I, I call it our Smogcast. And uh, this is a special edition uh, episode where we're going to talk about the, uh, the Hobbit, The Desolation of Smog. Guys, I think we're going to have spoilers throughout the episode, correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yes. right off the top. Anyway, I'm Brian. I'm Steve. And I'm Alil. And welcome to... The Smogcast, the pop culture leftover Smogcast. I don't. Hey, uh, Alil, when did you see this movie? I think you were the first one to see it. Yeah, I saw it Friday at uh, at noon Central Time, Steve. And, and how did uh, how did you watch it? Was it a uh, <laughs> was it two D three D? I watched it in the real D three D. Okay. Um, we actually just had missed the IMAX version. Um, get got to the theater a little late, and I I had a problem because I, I saw the original. In uh, in the IMAX 3D, and I just had a problem with my eyes, so I I opted for the the real D 3D rather than waiting uh, to see it in IMAX. And Steve, when did you see it? I saw it on Saturday morning, and I just I saw a 2D version. I didn't see a 3D. So okay, I I went and saw it today, um, it was Sunday, and uh, I saw it in IMAX 3D. So it looks like we're gonna have a pretty good, pretty good, uh, pretty good blend of how we saw this, and we'll be able to compare those um, yeah. and our thoughts on the on the movie. Uh, I did want to talk about a little bit when I got to the movie theater. Uh, they had one of those D box simulators. I, Steve, I know you've been to a D box movie, haven't you? Yeah, I went and saw Pacific Rim in D box, which you holy liked shit, <laughs> amazing. So, See, yeah. I, okay, I did it. They have a uh, they had a D box simulator. Now they have a D box theater in there. The IMAX uh, Hobbit that I saw, it was not D box, but uh, they have D box. It is a D box theater. The the theater that I went to, they had the simulator there in the front, and so I I used the simulator, and they used the Hobbit trailer for the simulator. 
And honestly, like I've always been interested in D box. I mean, D box. If you're not familiar with it, it's uh, kind of like a. Uh, if you've seen 3D movies. This is kind of like you know taking it in 4D. You're actually sitting in a chair, and the chair moves and vibrates and has transducers underneath it, and uh, and it, and it vibrates and it moves according to how the movie, is, the action in the movie. So it'll like tilt and and tilt back and tilt to the side left and right and vibrate you know depending on what's going on on screen and yeah honestly like watching the trailer maybe i need to watch an actual movie during it but the trailer it just seemed like it was a glorified massage chair it was really distracting well here's the thing i think that maybe the hobbit's not really the right vehicle for a d-box experience you know something like pacific rim that i saw the way that that seat moved when you were like when the when you were like following helicopters flying or when the action was happening with the, you know fighting in the in Hong Kong and all that stuff. Right. I mean the seats moving around and shaking with every explosion, with every punch and everything. I mean it was awesome, and I, I just I don't I don't think D box is for every movie, and I don't think The Hobbit would be one. But but it was really cool for Pacific Rim. You know, not, it's not my favorite movie, but the movie 2012 with John Cusack. I, I kept thinking like. You know, like where they took off in the plane and like flew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like something like that would have been very cool with D Box, but like with watching, you know, the trailer for The Hobbit, like I could have stuck a vibrator up my ass and got the same experience. <laughs> you know, it was really, yeah. it was. Dist- I don't, I don't, th- I don't think it would be the same experience at all. But, but <laughs> <laughs> hey, come on! I was just trying to make a joke. Jesus Christ! Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Stop yeah, telling us how you fine. really saw the Hobbit. That, and, uh, okay, fine. I, I, I brought a I brought a vibrator and I stuck it up my ass. I, I had the Richard Gere experience. I took a uh, gerbil with me, but you know, I anyway. Uh, that was weird. Why did I say that? Why do I do that? Why do I say these things? Fuck. Anyway, um, when the movie started, what trailers did you guys see? I know, like. You know, you get different trailers in the 2D, and you get different yeah. trailers in the 3D, and you get different trailers in the IMAX. So I want to know, you know. Let's start off with 2D. What trailers did you get, Steve? Okay, I uh, it started off with a Captain America trailer, so I got that one again. Not the extended one or anything, just the same one we've been seeing. But it's always fun to see that on the big screen. I can't wait for that movie. Uh, then it jumped into Jupiter Ascending. Was that in your guys' show at all? The Channing Tatum, Mila Kunis movie coming up. No, I didn't get that one. No, I didn't. I didn't get yeah. that one either. Uh, it's it's it just just meh for me right now. I don't know. Uh, I don't. I don't really. I don't know about Channing Tatum and eyeliner, and it's just so weird. It's just a. It's a really strange looking movie, but um, we'll see. It's Wachowskis though, so I I yeah. I'm definitely going to give it a shot. I mean, it, it's going to be high concept. I just don't know about the choices that they made as far as the actors in the film, like you said, like you know Channing Tatum, and then Mila Kunis. Anything that she's in, all I can think of is Family Guy. Like when I watched Oz in the theater, like even though she was the Wicked Witch, I kept thinking to myself, "Oh my God, it's it's Meg, it's Meg." All I can... <laughs> you just want you just want to say, "Shut up, Meg." <laughs> exactly. I just wanted to fart in her face. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I don't know about Jupiter Ascending. We'll see. I mean, there's only been the one trailer, and there was some cool-looking action in it, but, you know, we'll see about that one. Then it, it from there, it jumped into the Interstellar trailer. Um, that's oh, Christopher Nolan's new one. You got I to got, see the Interstellar trailer? Too. You got yeah, it, too? Yeah, I got the Interstellar, Interstellar I, trailer. I did not get the Interstellar trailer. It was kind of cool. It was just a lot of um, old old footage, you know, old, uh, like, um, archival uh, space 
space race footage and stuff. Was um, it a, just a teaser then, trailer then? Yeah, and there was a, a shot of uh, Matthew McConaughey, you know, a little quick shot of him driving away in a car. It looked like he was crying or upset about something. And then, uh, yeah, it just kind of ended with like a, like a rocket taking off. And it was like a view from like a farmhouse. So you could just see the rocket in the distance taking off. And then it, was, it really didn't explain much about what's, what's happening. You just know that it's going to have something to do with space and Matthew McConaughey. So, Cool. What did you get, Alil? I got the uh, the interst- uh, Interstellar also, um, and then I got the uh, the forty seven Ronin, which I talked about in our um, in our regular show, um, and I got the uh, the Amazing Spider Man, which was actually introduced by Emma Stone. Um, yeah, I was irritated that I didn't get a Spider Man trailer. Uh, I didn't get Captain America though. So, I didn't uh, either. I didn't get Captain America either. Uh huh. Um, I'm trying to remember what else. I got the um, the Lone Survivor. Uh, oh, the Mark Wahlberg movie, yeah. Yeah, the, the, that's another one we talked about in the on the regular show. Yeah. Um, I think that was it. I, it there, there was, must there have was, been something more because it was like I think it was like 25 minutes of trailers, but I think at yeah. one point, at one point, I was just like, I, I there maybe I did get uh, uh, the Wachowski one. Um, the did Jupiter. you get? Did you get the Edge of Tomorrow trailer? That Tom Cruise, Emily Blunt. Oh movie? yes, I did get that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's uh, the other one I got. That's I didn't. I, I didn't got. get that one either, and I would have loved to have seen that on the big screen. What did you get? <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, get, like every big movie that's come out. <laughs> okay, guys. Okay, mine started off with. Okay, I went to see Hobbit and IMAX 3D. Um, mine started off, which was it was amazing. It started off with a 2D trailer for the new Godzilla. Oh, you know what? I got, I got, oh, I got that as well. I got Godzilla as well. I'm and sorry. and listening to that in IMAX, even though it was just IMAX 2D, it wasn't 3D. It was amazing. Like hearing Godzilla roar on screen in an <laughs> IMAX movie was just—it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. That that trailer is awesome. And I'm was like, that filmed in IMAX? Do you know? Uh, I don't believe it is, and I hope it's not. Uh. No, 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 no! I hope it's filmed in IMAX. I don't care if it's yeah, filmed. In yeah. I, I don't. I, I hope. I don't care if it's filmed in IMAX 3D. I. I hope yeah. it's filmed in IMAX. Uh, at least that some, seems like it would be a really cool movie for that. Absolutely, absolutely. It, so. Actually, it might be a good movie for that D box. Yeah. Ooh. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I want my first D box movie to be. I don't know if I want it to be. I think it would be awesome because with that that parachuting scene. Yeah. Like, just, uh, oh man, that, they could do something really cool with that. It kind of soured me watching that trailer in D box because it was really distracting. So I don't know. Uh, but uh, the Godzilla trailer, uh, you know, I, we all watched it regularly. Um, what did you guys think of the trailer? What are you going to rate the trailer? I mean, a lot of people are bitching that, like, oh, we didn't get to see a lot of, like, Godzilla. But, like, guys, we got to see more of Godzilla than we ever got to see of Cloverfield in that first, you know. We never got to see Cloverfield until you saw the movie. J.J. Abrams had that under yeah. wraps so much that we never got to see the monster until we actually watched the movie. So, I mean, I think we got to see more of Godzilla in this than we ever got to see. I mean, the trailer had, I mean, it had a nice opening speech 
um, you know, it had a, a montage in the middle, and then it had the money shot at the end with with the with the Godzilla reveal. I mean, even though it was kind of cloudy and smoky or whatever, I'm gonna give it a Tupperware, man. I mean, that shit was awesome, and it, and it looks more like the classic Godzilla from the classic it's the biggest Godzilla that's ever been on the film. Well, and that that and it looks it doesn't look like the iguana Godzilla that we saw in the 1998 Matthew Broderick film. This looks more like your traditional Godzilla monster from the Japanese yeah. films, which is fantastic. It looks- Great. Now, this is not the trailer that was debuted at Comic Con. There were some scenes that were left out of this. Um, this movie also this it stars Aaron Taylor Johnson from Kick Ass, and then um, Elizabeth Olsen, who's the younger sister of the Olsen twins from Full House, of course. But uh, um, we're both going to be in Avengers. Exactly, they're going to be playing brother and sister in that movie, and in this movie, they're playing boyfriend girlfriend, which is kind of weird in itself. But I mean. I, I, I really enjoyed this trailer. Now, this was not the trailer that they debuted at the San Diego Comic-Con. This is not the Comic-Con trailer. That Comic-Con trailer showed other monsters in the movie. There was also a scene in that San Diego Comic-Con where you saw, a, I think, a smaller, skinnier monster that is attacking an airport. And then they showed Godzilla stomping down in front of that monster almost kind of like he was going to attack that monster that was attacking humanity and it's almost they it kind of made it it kind of gave off a vibe that this Godzilla is kind of like more of a protector to humanity humanity than than the one that w- that we saw in the Broderick film I, I guess that I'm going to I'm going to rate it and taste it just cuz if, if it had that footage in there I think I would have been I think I would have liked it more. I, I think you know, the footage was fine, but I guess my my question was is, well, what what is this movie going to be? Is it going to be like Cloverfield, where you know we're fighting it? Is it gonna, you know are we going to need our own Jaegers going in there to fight Godzilla, or is Godzilla like in the classic uh, old uh, movies? Is he going to be fighting Mecha Godzilla and all these other uh, all these other creatures protecting us? I guess. Right. Um, but I mean, it was, it was a good trailer, uh, but I, I'm, I'm going to give it a taste of it right now. I wish it was, I wish it was a little bit more. I, I'm not complaining about the reveal of Godzilla. I think it's fine. Uh, it's it just, I just wanted a little bit more to kind of understand it. Well, so passive. just, just on the, the fact of what I saw in the, <laughs> just what I saw in the trailer, I'm going to give it a Tupperware because it has, it has piqued my interest to the point of, this is my most anticipated movie of 2014 based on this trailer. I would rather see this over X-Men Days of Future Past. Uh, I'm actually anticipating this a little bit more than Spider-Man at this point, to be honest with you. I think this, I think this more movie, than Captain America. Yeah, honestly, I think this has the, uh, no, I think this has I the, know. I think this has the scale to be even better than any of those films. I think it could be. I mean, guys, we've seen what they can do with a Captain America movie. We've seen what they can do with a Spider-Man movie. You know, we've seen what they can do with, uh, you know, a lot of these other films that they've come out with these super, with these, uh, um, these, uh, superhero films. I don't know what they can do with a Godzilla film. What do you mean? We saw it in 98. They screwed it up. 
Come on, guys. I'm not going to count Matthew Broderick. No, no. And the, it's not going to be any. It's well, not even okay, be the well, same we, saw, we saw it in Cloverfield. We saw it. No, no, no. The, Cloverfield was a found footage film. This, yeah, you can't. Oh, it's not and, the same. You are and, taking this. You know, you are taking this back to its roots. This, this is Godzilla. This, this looks like a Godzilla film. This does not look like. Hey, let's mix a little bit of. Uh, let's have Godzilla in New York City laying eggs uh, and him as an iguana and and Matthew Broderick is your is your mate. That movie was garbage. Um, this, this utter garbage. Yeah, this movie. This movie. The scale. The the scale of Godzilla and and uh, the way the way they've cast this movie. They've got Brian Cranston. Um, they've got some up and coming uh, young youngsters in this movie. You know, with Aaron Taylor Johnson and, and and Elizabeth Olsen. I mean, this movie looks like it could be a hit. It is the wild card. That is why it is my most anticipated movie of 2014, the summer of 2014, because this could be this could be the start of something huge. This could be the start of the next big, you know, expanded universe franchise. I mean, this could be huge. This could be like a trilogy or something like that. Like I know what to expect out of a of a Captain America movie. I kind of know where that movie's going to go. You know, I know this is going to be like a political thriller slash Shield movie. I, I know what we're going to get from Amazing Spider-Man 2. It's going to be like, you know, the introduction to the Sinister Six. I have no fucking idea where this Godzilla movie is going to take us. That That's what has me on the edge of my seat. Like, I cannot wait to see where they take us with this film. This could be terrifying and amazing and epic all at the same time. Edge of your seat, watching this thing. I, I can't wait. I just can't wait. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right about that. There is. It's really still up in the air, and it's... They could go anywhere with it, and it is really exciting. It could take Pacific Rim to the next level to where, like, okay, Pacific Rim was epic and awesome and action. It was like Rocky meets uh, robots and, and monsters. You know, it's like, uh, I don't know how to say uh, This movie could be like uh, a horror film meets, uh, you know, huge monsters. That's what, that's what I want to see with it. I want to be scared when I see Godzilla. I want my heart to race when I see Godzilla. I, I hope you're right. I, I do. I just wow, Lily, you're so outside, you're so. Outside, like, I know. You know what? I'm sorry. <laughs> outside of Pacific Rim, you know what have we seen that 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 proves that these studios are going to give us what we want out of these movies? You can't say outside of Pacific Rim. That's what that that right there. That showed it. That it, showed it. I mean, yeah. Before yeah, that, we, we, maybe we, we haven't seen shit, but. But. We compare Pacific Rim to a lot of different things that that they haven't done right. I mean, we just even Listen, though, we're in a we're in a post Pacific Rim world now. All right, shit's different now. <laughs> all right, that's <laughs> fine. That, that's why I'm tasting the trailer. I I think I, I don't want to get my hopes up that it's going to be something, and I would rather go in with, with, lo- with lower my, expectations. And well, not be- low, but with, with with reasonable expectations because I just. And again, like you said, with the Comic Con footage, if they added that, and, and we're getting something where we get Godzilla fighting other monsters, I would love it. I think that would, if that's the way they go with this thing, terrific. If we go with thing where it's, you know, just like in the trailer, we see our military, you know, parachuting out, and that's who's going to fight Godzilla. What's the point? We we're not going to win. 
I don't think it's going to be that. I don't, there's no way it's going to be that. But from it, but it, from it the trailer, that's the sense you get. That's why I'm giving it a taste. As long as Godzilla doesn't lay his eggs in Madison Square Garden and we have little Godzilla babies yeah. running around looking like Velociraptors. Yeah. 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 He cannot hide. It doesn't work. <laughs> you know, like in that movie, it's like, he's, we lost him. Like, what? I know. Come on. <laughs> What, what do you mean? Like, how inept is our military? The how only, completely useless is the, it? And I guess maybe that's why I'm soured on it a bit. I, I still have the baggage from that Godzilla movie, and it's like it's like it, Batman and Robin and Batman Begins, dude. You just you just can't. It's not going to be anywhere near the same, the same, the same thing. Yeah, guys. Yeah, but you well, you went in. I I went into Batman Begins still like okay, well. Where are they going to go with this? Are they going to do what they did in Begins? I think our listeners are thinking, where are they going to get to the Hobbit? And then we're not. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, we're off on a tangent. All right, let's talk about the desolation of Smog now, okay? Okay, so we're in agreement. We're gonna we're gonna pronounce his name Smog, right? Because we don't want to sound like a bunch of assholes. I'm gonna say Smog. I'm not gonna say Smog. Yeah, fuck that. Peter Jackson decided that's how it was said. I'm not saying Smog. I'm saying desolation of Smog. (laughs) <laughs> like I'm from Boston Agreed. or some shit. Desolation of smog. It was smog in the cartoon, all right? Yeah, I'm saying smog. I'm not saying smog. All right, anyway, from Academy Award-winning filmmaker uh, Peter Jackson comes The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smog, the second in a trilogy of films adapting the enduringly popular masterpiece The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien. Uh, the three films tell a continuous story set in Middle-earth 60 years before The Lord of the Rings, which Jackson and his filmmaking team brought to the big screen in the blockbuster trilogy that culminated with the Oscar-winning The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smog, continues the adventure of the title character Bilbo Baggins as he journeys with the wizard Gandalf and the Thirteen Dwarves, led by Thorin Oakenshield, on an epic quest to reclaim the Lonely Mountain and the lost dwarf kingdom of Erebor. Having survived the beginning of their unexpected journey, the company continues east, encountering along the way the skin changer Bjorn and a swarm of giant spiders in the treacherous forest of Mirkwood. After escaping capture by the dangerous wood elves, the dwarves journey to the lake town and finally to the Lonely Mountain itself, where they must face the greatest danger of all, a creature more terrifying than any other, one of which will test not only the depth of their courage, but the limits of their friendship and the wisdom of the journey itself, the dragon smog. Now, Ian McKellen returns as Gandalf the Grey, Martin Freeman in the central role of Bilbo Baggins, Richard Armitage as Thorin Oakenshield, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is the dragon smog, um, we've got, uh, I guess I could run through all the dwarves, but I'm not going to, um, let's see here. Yeah, we've got Balin, Dwalin, Bifer, Bofer, Bomber, Philly, Killy, Owen, Glowin, Nori, Dory, and Ori, Sleepy, Sneezy, Doc, Grumpy, Dopey, um, <laughs> uh, Evangeline Lily as Toriel, um, Lee Pace as Thandril, and Luke Evans as Bard. And then uh, Luke Evans, I didn't know, but he was rumored as a favorite choice for Batman in the Justice League movie by some outlets of the media. A lot of people were talking about hopefully having him come in there as Batman. Um, And then Orlando Bloom returns as Legolas. Um, 
I don't know. Get, you guys want to jump into the movie itself and uh, kind of give first give our impression of the movie and our rating, and then kind of like break down the movie. Uh, let's go for it. Yeah. All right. Who wants to go first and give their uh, you know their now, now guys? Remember, we we are going to spoil this movie. If you have not seen The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smog, please turn the podcast off. Go see the movie. Or if you just don't care to be spoiled, if you, if, if you care, if you don't care that you're going to get spoiled, listen to the podcast anyway, if you've read the book or whatever. But, uh, you know, we are going to be spoiling the movie. So if, if you haven't uh, seen the movie and don't want to be spoiled, turn it off. You, you've been warned. Uh, but who wants to go first to give their general impression of the movie and their rating? Um, and then also, we do have a unique rating system. If you haven't listened to the uh, podcast before, I'd like to explain that to you. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. So who wants to go first with their rating of The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smog uh, from uh, director Peter Jackson? I'll go ahead and go. Um, I'm going to give my rating for The Hobbit as a Tupperware all the way. I love this movie from the beginning to the end. It was one of the fastest two-plus-hour movies I've ever sat through. When the ending came, I was shocked. I was like, what? There's not an hour more of this? I mean, the movie was hilarious. It was it was uh, very emotional. It, the action was amazing. All the acting was great. I mean, they did everything right in this movie as far as I'm concerned. So without going into too much detail and touching on certain scenes and all that, um, as far as my rating goes, it's a Tupperware. All right, I guess I'll, I'll go next. Um, I, I've been on the fence on this since, I've, since I saw this at noon on Friday. And I'm going to go with a Taste It. And... <sighs> I think the acting was great. Martin Freeman was terrific. There was a lot of things there, but I think I wasn't as engaged with the characters, especially the dwarves, as I had hoped to be. And and maybe that is comparing it with the original Lord of the Rings trilogy. But that that's where I'm going to go right now, and I'll, I'll we'll we'll continue the discussion. But I'm going to give it a taste. It. Okay, um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm also going to give this movie a taste it. Uh, the first hour or so is uh, Tupperware, by all means. Um, but I think the film, it tried to do too much sometimes and there are really cool scenes. There are really cool scenes, Like we'll talk about this later, but there are some amazing scenes with Smog later. And I think they are actually hampered by scenes cutting back and forth from you know the smog scenes back to Gandalf and what he's doing and then they're cut then they cut to the dwarves that are in Dale and what they're doing and I think it really slowed the pacing of the film um, in the books you read about Gandalf leaving the party you know the dwarves and then going and doing these side things but they never really explain those what he's doing on the side really but I think it's really cool that we get to see those things in this movie, but in a way, it actually hurts the film. Uh, we all know, you know, Sauron is coming back to power because we've all seen The Lord of the Rings, 
and I like the scenes where they do show us the events leading into the Lord of the Rings, but I think it ultimately hurts the pacing of this movie and leaves us with an awkward ending instead of wrapping up the entire film altogether, which I think would have been more satisfying. Uh, so I think pushing this to three films was kind of the wrong choice. Now, in the past, I've always said that more Middle Earth can't be a bad thing. It, and that the reason I say that is because I love Middle Earth. I love seeing Middle Earth. I think it's beautiful. But I think they are cramming too much story into the film, and I think it hurts this movie overall. I still give it a taste it now. The scenes with Smog and IMAX, they were fucking amazing. Uh, the creature design alone is worth a taste it. Um, the, there's a barrel roll scene. That we'll talk oh about. my god! <laughs> we'll talk about that later. That was amazing as well. Um, the the whole barrel scene was amazing, and and even the Lord of the Rings purists are upset. You know, I know I understand Lord of the Rings purists are upset that Legolas makes an appearance in this movie. You know, because he did not make one in the book. But I thought it was cool to see that character come back again, uh, even if it was just for fan service. I, I enjoyed that. Um, now this movie, it's a hard movie to do. Go, go ahead, Lilo. What was that? I was gonna say I agree with you with Legolas. I mean he he was my favorite character in the original trilogy, um, and I, I love seeing him. But we'll get more into it. There was just something different about him this time. That kind of I don't know. Just just I loved him. I loved him a lot in the original, especially him and his play with Gimli. Uh, but it just in this one, it just. It, it just didn't seem right. And again, I, I didn't read the Hobbit. I haven't read the Hobbit. I, I grew up watching the cartoon, so I'm not I'm not one of the purists who are like, well, you know, he wasn't there. There was no, you know, there was no uh, uh, Evangeline Lilly uh, Toriel. Is that is that how you say it? Toriel. Toriel. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I have read the book. I have read the book. So, you know, if I, but so I didn't have a problem yeah. with that. But there was just it was just. Things in, in, in his tone that kind of, I guess, threw me off. It wasn't the same Legolas we got in The Lord of the Rings. Well, th- 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 I think that shows the growth that the character had. And I think this kind of, you know, a lot of people think it's a step back. But for me, it just shows how far he's come since The Hobbit. Well, I, I agree with that because he, you, but, but I think you got that, that development in The Lord of the Rings. Because, uh, you know, in the beginning, in in uh, in the fellowship, you saw that they didn't get along. You know him and Gimli. They didn't. You know elves, dwarves. You got that. I didn't think I needed to see that much more of that kind of. I don't want to say hatred, but that and it, he just seems smug and cocky and and yeah, I'm sure he to be. He's a prince. Yeah, but you know what? Okay, I'm going to spoil something right now. But if we wouldn't have had him in this film, we wouldn't have been able to see him jumping on dwarves' heads during the barrel roll scene. I, I was just say. about to say, his action scenes, <laughs> just, not, not even that part, just him just slaughtering all the orcs. Just left and right. I, and then that's one of the things in Lord of the Rings. I mean, there was that one scene in Lord of the Rings, uh, I think it was in Return of the King, where he's just sliding down the tail of something, and he's just shooting at everybody with the arrows and just, I mean, he's great. I, I love Legolas. Don't you know? Don't get me wrong. It just there was. I don't know if there was just too much, or it just you know. I, I just I was holding on to to the past. Okay. Okay. No. No. I'll I'll, I'll take that. Now, can we all agree that this movie is going to be 
probably the hardest to do because it is based on a children's book and you know the hobbit is more of a children's book than the lord of the rings i mean it, it, that's how it was intended it and uh, it's pretty cookie cutter as far as knowing what's going to happen with certain scenes i mean there's foreshadowing in this movie of the black arrows and then the loose scale on smog's body it's it's really obvious so i think what i mean to compensate what the story lacks in depth they try to they do they compensate it with amazing visuals and i think the visuals are worth it in this film the effects are amazing middle earth is is both frightening and beautiful at the same time so for those reasons, again, I give this movie a very strong taste. It. Can you guys yeah, agree? I, I'm in. I'm in yeah. agreement with that. I mean, I am more shocked um, that a lot of the visuals that you see in this movie. I don't know if people know this, and if you don't, if you own the Man of Steel Blu-ray, there's this little uh, little thing called like Journey to Middle Earth. How many of those scenes are just actual footage? There's no CGI. For for the most part, a lot of this, um, the, the background and everything is, is real uh, New Zealand, which is which is amazing uh, that that they would have that it would actually look like this. Um, so I, I mean, I give it props that they that they found this area that they did this and 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 how how they made it pop on screen. And on top of that, you're you know you're right with with uh, with smog. And and how he looked and everything. I mean, it, it, it was just, it was probably one of the one of the best three movies. And I know you see the in three D that I've seen since Avatar. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, hey, we're gonna stop here real quick. We're gonna come back. Uh, we've got a little bit of a uh, delay when it comes to you're cutting out. So we're gonna. I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna call you guys back and we'll continue this. We'll actually jump into the meat of the movie, the story. But uh, hey, we got a uh, we got a Tupperware and two Tastes. I think that's pretty positive, honestly. Yeah, yeah. All yep. right, be right back. buddies and fight little wolves together? Hey, we're back. Um, we're going to start talking about the meat of the movie. We're going to start talking about, you know, the events that happened in the movie, what we liked, what we didn't like, and uh, let's get started. So the movie starts out uh, with, uh, there's a flashback scene of Gandalf and he's meeting Thorin at the Prancing Pony about getting the Arkenstone back. Is this correct? Uh, he's talking about getting the Arkenstone back for the dwarves, correct? Correct, yes. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, from the Misty Mountains. And what they need is a burglar. Yeah. Yeah, but you also see that there's, um, that somebody's put, uh, like, a, like, a bounty uh, on his, on, uh, on, on Thorin's head. And you see, like, in the background, people kind of uh, ready to, to jump him before Gandalf got there because... You know he doesn't have the Arkenstone, and it looks like that you're getting the the hint here where the evil is coming back, and you know they're looking to also 
try to get the Orca Stone for themselves. Does this kind of remind you of the scene of, of uh, Han Solo uh, when he's at the cantina in Mos Eisley? And, <laughs> There's always uh, got to be a bar scene somewhere. Exactly, when Greedo comes up to the table, you know? Did you guys, did you guys see Peter Jackson's cameo? Yeah, at the very beginning, I, I thought he was yeah. starting to become Alfred Hitchcock now. <laughs> Where was he? I didn't see him. He, he, he was the right, first person yeah, in the movie. What? Exactly, he was the very first person. He walked like, right across the, the camera. And it, I think he was like eating a carrot or something. He walked right across the screen. Uh, the first, the first person you see as they're going toward, like as the camera's uh, panning toward the prancing pony. Really? Yeah. Son of a bitch. All right, I did not notice that. Wow, interesting. Oh, thanks, guys. I didn't, I did not notice that. I'm glad that you pointed that out. That was a cool flashback scene because you weren't sure exactly what time you were in right away. And then, you know, listening to the conversation between Gandalf and Thorne, it becomes pretty clear. Well, yeah, and, and that, it, it was because it kind of it, it helped make sense of, of why the events happened in the first Hobbit. Um, you know, I mean, what we get in that movie is we get, you know, Gandalf appearing at um, at Bilbo's house just, you know, Putting the mark on the door, and you know them all, all joining them. But but how did Gandalf get with the dwarves to start this mission? And I, and I did like that. Um, let's see here. Uh, okay, so we're right back into the action. The movie starts now. We're right back in the action. It's the scene where the goblins they're hunting down the party. You know, Gandalf, Bilbo, the dwarves, and Bilbo sees something else in the woods that's even more terrifying than the goblin wolf riders gandalf knows exactly who he's talking about when he's describing him uh he talks about some doesn't he talk about something that like looks like a half like like a bear yeah yes i think yes it was brown yes yeah no bjorn it's bjorn is that what he's okay you're talking about the name of the creature correct no, no, I thought he asked uh, Bilbo, like, what color was it? I oh. thought he said it was brown. Well, I don't know about that, but I, I know the, the name of the creature is Bjorn, and I remember Bjorn from the book. I remember reading about the character of Bjorn. And Bjorn, when I read about Bjorn in the book, he was very intriguing. There were two characters that I looked forward to the most in watching, you know, The Hobbit and then The, and then the Desolation of Smog. The first character I wanted to see more than anything was Tom Bombadil. I could not wait to see Tom Bombadil in the film. And the second character I could not wait to see in The Hobbit was Bjorn. And uh, Bjorn is, of course, that uh, creature that was – he was like the man that could shapeshift into the bear. You guys there? Yeah, we're here. Okay. I'm here. Steve. But I could not wait to see Bjorn. Um, what were you guys' thoughts on Bjorn and the character and how they portrayed Bjorn in the, in the movie? Um, I was just curious. I, being people, you, you both have not read the book. I wanted to know what you thought of the scene with Bjorn. I, I thought it was really cool. I thought, um, I mean, he was in, he's introduced as a, a different race when he becomes his, his uh, semi-human form. He's like a giant He's like a like a mid werewolf transformation. He's got like these crazy eyebrows and fur that goes down his back and stuff. Um, 
I thought he was awesome. I mean, I didn't know anything about him before the movie. I didn't know what to expect, but I thought he was a really cool character. His whole scene and stuff, how he goes off talking about um, how he hates dwarves and all the shit that he doesn't like about him. And at the end, he's like, but I hate orcs more. So what do you need? And I thought that was a really cool character play. Yeah, I really like how he was introduced. I like that they basically went to his house for safety from him. You know, I thought that was kind of, uh, I wasn't expecting that. Um, especially when, when Gandalf was, was that, you know, they were asking if, if this is, you know, if this will be a, a friendly place for them or not. And he basically said, well, we'll see, you know, kind of like that. But, uh, yeah. And I, and I thought the character, just like Steve said, I thought uh, I liked that at the end when he was kind of walking toward them, basically saying everything that he hated about dwarves, but then said, what, you know, I hate orcs more. What do you need? And I, and I did like that. And then basically he kind of protected them until they got, far enough that, uh, that they can continue on with their journey. Yeah, uh, being a fan of the book and reading the book, I, I loved seeing Bjorn in a film. He's, you know, there, yeah, and another character, of course, I wanted to see in the film is Smog, but, you know, finally seeing Bjorn in a film was just mind-blowing to me, and I loved it. I wish we could have had more Bjorn, honestly, um, to be honest with you, because that he's one of my favorite characters from the book, he always just—I was very intrigued by him, uh, and I thought it was, yeah, I thought he was going to be part of the crew for a while at first. I was like, man, that's going to be awesome if they got this guy rolling around with them now. But, <laughs> that would have been cool if they would have changed it, uh, <laughs> because they did—they did pretty much follow a lot of the book when it came to him, you know. Uh, but uh, it was—it was, it was just finally cool to see him. Uh, in in the movie, I just wish being a big fan of Bjorn, I wish there would have just been more Bjorn scenes. But I mean, they stretch so many different scenes out in this movie as it is that I understand why he wasn't in the film as much. But it was it was awesome. Um, I, I like the fact that uh, you know how Gandalf presented the character that like you know. You can't reason with the uh, when he is in his beast form, but you know the the man himself. We we might be able to uh, kind of like talk to, and he he might accept you even though he doesn't like dwarves per se. Yeah, I, I really like that. I thought that was that was interesting, and that for me, not reading the book and not knowing the character, you know, that was that was really interesting to see how they would they were going to reason with him since he is you know half beast. Um, so I, I, I did like that. Uh, guys, we talked about cameos earlier. I wanted to bring this up really quick. I did not see this cameo in the film, but, uh, comedian and political commentator Stephen Colbert, it, it, apparently he's a huge fan of Tolkien's work. And then once, uh, Jackson heard about that, he cast Colbert in a small role in the film and he's identified in the film's credits as Lake Town Spy. Huh. I, I didn't catch that in the movie, so... Yeah, neither did I. Wow. Yeah, I had no idea. He's going to be one of those guys that they did, like, that um, that little montage scene where they were giving each other signals. The one guy, like, lit his pipe, and then the other guys, like, threw their fishing lines in. You know, like... Yeah, and then he, at the end he threw the apple at him and said that, you know, he's done for the day. Yeah, so right. he's going to be one of those guys during that scene. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Uh, so now in the film, after they leave uh, Bjorn, they head into Mirkwood Forest. 
the whole time they're kind of being stalked by the orcs. And the orcs are kind of staying away because they do know that they are somewhat being protected by Bjorn. He is in beast form now on, on, and they, they can see him in beast form. And so, uh, that's the only kind of, that's the only reason that the, that the orcs are kind of staying away at this point. But they enter Mirkwood Forest. Now, is this the time where the orcs are, the other, the other orc comes up to them and tells them that they are wanted by, uh-huh. Yes, yes, right yeah. before they go into those woods, uh, they're, they're told that they're being summoned. They're being summoned by the, by someone, uh, like the necromancer. Yeah. 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 Uh, so they are to go and leave and, and, and they are being summoned by the necromancer. And so, you know, now, now that white orc is upset that, you know, nobody is going to be following the, the dwarves. Um, you know, so now the dwarves, they head into Mirkwood Forest. As they go into Mirkwood Forest, Gandalf sees that, you know, there are bigger forces at play as he – doesn't he like he, – he pulls away some like uh, dead plant life. It's like, it's like a – yeah, he, there, he finds like some like black speech graffiti on like, on like some old ruins so in there. And it like, it like triggers like, like, a, like a telepathic message, you know, right. uh, with that uh, – What's her name? The elf, Galadriel. That's her name. Right. Yeah. 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 From, uh, from Rivendale. Yeah. And so he gets like a quick flash, and he's and he and he has to he 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 jumps out of the woods. Yeah, and this happens a lot in the book. Like they'll be on these different quests and and throughout the book, and like he'll disappear and like go off on these side missions, and then come back and kind of explain later like what he did, but you'd never really get to see it. But this movie kind of fills in those gaps, but. So now they go. Now they go into Mirkwood Forest alone, uh, without Gandalf. So it's it's the dwarves and Bilbo, and they're going into Mirkwood Forest. Now, um, you know, Gandalf tells them before he leaves, like, you need to stay on the trail. You have to stay on this trail. If you diverge from the trail, if you lose sight of the trail, you will never get back on the trail again, and you'll be lost in Mirkwood Forest. Yeah. Now, what happens, of course, is they, they, they walk around Mirkwood Forest and, of course, they, they lose sight of the trail and they're walking around in what seems like to be circles. And the forest is, like, playing head games with them. So, like, they're all fighting with each other. And, yeah, it was and, like they were, like, under the influence. like they were drugged. Yeah, for, uh, exactly. Something. And, and, all, and he said that, too, because he said that the air in there uh, would, would do something to you. And I think you got that sense because I think when they were – in the forest, it, it, it seemed like, like when you were watching it, like the the cinematographer did something different to those scenes. There was just, just yeah, something it, very. It was very subtle. Yeah, it was very different. Kind of like like you said, like like they were the whole time while they were walking around, kind of hallucinating. Well, they kind yeah, of like, they kinda, like they, a light blur effect. That too, and they, and they did it when they first showed Mirkwood Forest. The uh, camera angle kind of like turned to the right like it was just turning and it just made you feel disoriented and that's yeah. the kind of feeling you got when you were in Mirkwood Forest especially like I'm watching it on IMAX and like the whole screen is moving and it it made me feel disoriented and it played tricks with their minds like at one time Bilbo Baggins like turns around and sees himself and, yeah exactly you know and, and, and then in front of them as well yeah that, that was a funny scene but honestly I think like when that happened he kind of realized that yes this is the forest playing 
tricks on me. Like when everybody else was kind of just like getting sucked deeper and deeper into it, you know, you saw some of the dwarves saying like, oh my gosh, look, I found this pouch. Like this looks just like my pouch. And Bilbo's like, he's figuring it out. Like that is your pouch. We're walking around in circles. We need to find a point of origin and figure out how to get out of here. Because that was other- another really funny scene too. It was really well acted the way that they were like they were all start talking. There's other dwarves in this forest. Who are they? Who could they be? And it was like right. a really funny beat. Yeah, yeah. So like all the dwarves, and, and I get this feeling like like I think that uh, a lot of different creatures in Middle Earth are more susceptible to like magic and spells than hobbits are because like yeah hobbits seem pretty resilient they are even like the one ring i mean it took bilbo years and years and years before he became kind of like obsessed and possessed by the ring but but here in the forest is when we first see that's one of the notes i have written down is that in this forest man this is where we first see bilbo kind of going a little nutty for this ring yeah but he does snap he does snap out of it and he's like we need to find our bearings and so he starts climbing up the tree so that he can look. Because one of the dwarves say, you know, we have no sense of direction. We can't even see the sun. So he's like, exactly. okay, yeah. I'm going to start climbing in this tree so I can look above the branches and above the trees and I can see the skyline, see the sun. And so, like, you go from the murk wood forest, which is really dark and gray and, and dreary, and you see all these, like, spider webs. So you know that there's something else going, you know, there's definitely some other kind of... uh uh, evil, uh, creature. There's some, definitely some evil creatures living in Mirkwood Forest. So he, he climbs above, he climbs the tree, and he's looking over the tree, and you see, like, the trees are, I don't know, I don't know about you guys, but I thought it was beautiful once he got above the trees. Oh, it's one of those money shots. It's a classic Peter Jackson, Lord of the Rings, I mean, shot. That's just gorgeous scenery all yeah. around the board. Yeah, I mean, you could like, and this, the contrast of the colors—it was all like those red leaves, and it was like sun. It was like sunset. The sun was kind of setting, so it was like a orangish hue on everything, and then those blue butterflies. So the colors were just really popping. Yeah, and the butter- after being in that after being in that murky forest for so long. Yeah, the butterflies are flying, and then like as he like panned and turned left or right, you could see you could actually see the misty mountains. And, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, yeah, Bilbo is shouting downwards like, hey, you know, I know where we're going. I know where we need to go now. I know how to get out of here. And they're not responding. And then he ends up looking, you know, going back down. And uh, that's when that's when we have the amazing spider battle. Yeah. yeah one thing before Bilbo I wanna, the rest. one thing I, before I want to mention what I, what I liked about Bilbo's character and was that he always listened to everyone. Cause like, it was Gandalf that was saying that. I don't think the dwarves were paying attention to Gandalf as Gandalf was leaving about, you know, the air, the head games and all that. And, you know, even even when they're telling stories of everything else, it's, it's always Bilbo. And we'll go forward and we'll see it when we, when we talk more about uh, when it gets to, to Smog. But it's always Bilbo figuring this out because he's listening to to everything that happened in the past or whatever stories that they've, that they've told. Um, and I thought that that was, that was one of the things that, that I was picking up why he was able to, to kind of fight off the force because he was remembering, it, it felt like he was remembering what was being told to him and he kind of could figure that out. And then when he got up to the tree, you can, you, uh, on top of the tree, you know, when he was taking those deep breaths because it was like, you know, I'm out of that whatever kind of magical air that's been messing with everyone's head is. And it was kind of, 
it was kind of like a refreshing kind of uh, a situation for him. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. Like the whole time that he's up there, he's kind of he's clearing his head, but below him, everybody's still like in that madness. Yeah, that's a very good point, Alil. Um, then we have this amazing scene with the battle against the spiders, and like, I mean, as Bilbo is falling from the trees, and he gets and he and he lies on his back on top of that uh, web that's got like that, that's laid out kind of like a uh, like a mat, and he's stuck there. When that spider gets gets a hold of him, you could see the sheer power that that spider had. It wrapped him up like it was a uh, like like a Taco Bell employee wrapping up a burrito. I mean, it just. <laughs> You know what I mean? I mean, it just wrapped Efficiency. him up. Like, seriously, like he was a fucking uh, chimichanga. Bam! You know, fucking chalupa time. They, they wrapped him up so quickly and so tightly. I thought that was scene, that scene was amazing. It just showed the sheer power of that spider in Mirkwood. It was awesome. Yeah, the special effects were great there. I mean, the, the way that the spider moved, it was re- very realistic, and it was huge, but it was still moving super fast. So. I actually got up and left the theater and went to Taco Bell and got a couple tacos and then came back. So I missed the next, like, half an hour. That was very stupid. I know. I'm fucking <laughs> with you. No, but, but uh, you know. We but, but, but you're right. I mean, they, they wrapped up those dwarves so fast. Yeah. And, you know, and I, and I like the scene coming up because – yeah, it's, another another you know, great action with, scene with Bilbo, you know, breaking through and basically showing no fear to those spiders. Uh, I thought it was, you know, when I when I left the theater, that's that's one of the big scenes that stuck out to me because, you know, again, you, if you compare it to the original, you're comparing. I, I guess you have to because the, you know the the main character in the Lord of the Rings was Frodo. And seeing him in, in a similar situation when he, when he had his spider uh, his spider battle seem more timid, where, where Bilbo seemed to throughout both movies now because we're you know we're two movies in seemed to grow so much more confidence and courage, where he just said you know what I I've got to do what I got to do and just he just stabbed that one spider and just went off. I just thought it was really well you know really effective. Bilbo I think is more. Okay, I love don't get me wrong, I love Frodo, but I think I think Bilbo is more of a took. I mean, when you read the books, uh that the took side of the family, they are very adventurous. And I know Bilbo is he's got took in took in him too. It's just that I think Bilbo, I think he, he gravitated more towards the adventure side than Frodo ever did. I think Frodo did what he had to do, but I think I think Bilbo I think he got a kick out of the adventure side, man, and I think he was. Oh, yeah. I think he was more of the. He took after more of the took side of the family. I mean, uh, well, and they don't they don't explain that in the movie that much. I mean, I know Gandalf says it in the first Hobbit when when he's when he's trying to get him to you know to go with them, uh, but so it's it's not it's explained very briefly. It's said in passing, but. Actually, I wish they would they would have explained that a little bit more with yeah, with, with Bilbo. They do. I mean, okay, they, they do kind of. Uh, they do in the books, definitely. But I mean, if you look at the stories, I mean, of course, Bilbo's story is a lot lighter than Frodo's. Frodo's is a lot darker. I mean, yeah. just comparing comparing the movies, I can understand why you know 
Bilbo kind of like wants to do these adventures again. I mean, I mean, he killed it. You know, he event, he eventually kills. They eventually kill this dragon and become rich from all these treasures. And and he has friends that he's made for life. He's made friends with the elves. He's made friends with the you know the 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 king of the eagles. He's made friends with uh, Gandalf and and the dwarves. And I mean, it's just been this wonderful experience for him. On the flip side, you know, Frodo's lost a lot. You know doing his adventures it's not really an adventure it's more like uh this is the battle for uh you know humanity this is the the battle for all the hobbits this is the, you know everybody's life depends on him yeah it, it's it's a it's a it's more of a burden on him right because he's gonna he's gonna basically carry uh bilbo's burden as the ring on him through those three movies to make right you know what you know as you see in that one scene when he tells gandalf before he leaves that he found something where who knows how that the story would have changed. Yeah, exactly. So it's like maybe if you flip these characters and if it was like uh, Frodo doing Bilbo's story, you know, they might have been the same character. But, yeah, it, one one is definitely lighter than the other. I like the contrast of that. I, I really like um, the Bilbo story. I like that it's lighter. It's um, it's a lot more fun. And I'm just going to say it. Bilbo's a badass in this movie. I mean, yeah, dude. He does not give a shit. He pulls his sword out. He's just stabbing orcs and stabbing spiders. And, just, and we see the, stab the shit out of you. Yeah, we see, we see the origin of Sting. Like when he puts exactly that when, was awesome. Yeah, he puts uh, Bilbo puts the ring on and they can't see him and he's fighting the spiders. But at the same time, when he puts the ring on, he can actually hear what they're saying. He understands the spider language. Yeah, and that was a cool touch. That was really. Yeah, cool. I, I was going to say I, I did. I did like that a lot that he was able to to hear what they were talking about. So when he stabs that one spider in the face, the spider, spider says it stings, and then. <laughs> Bilbo likes the sound of that, and that's where he christens that sword, that blade, Sting. And I thought that was kind of a cool origin story for the uh, for Sting. Yeah, so this is Bilbo's first um, rescue scene of this movie. You know, th- that's going to be a running theme through these Hobbit films: is Bilbo to the rescue. Absolutely, and, uh, yeah. He already rescued him from the trolls in the first film, and and now he's rescued him and the and the goblins, and now he's rescued him from the. Uh, from the spiders. Right. So, yeah, Bilbo rescues the uh, dwarves from the spiders. Uh, but, you know, I mean, the battle's not over. They still have to fight all the spiders. And uh, now what's cool is Mirkwood is also the home to Legolas and the elves, uh, who are all ruled by Thanduil. And uh, they come in and they, they start to fight the spiders as well. So now we've got this really cool battle between the elves and the spiders. And, and we see Legolas again for the first time since, you know, Return of the King back in was it 2003 so it's been 10 years since we've seen legolas which i i thought it was great seeing him again i thought it was cute i I thought it was awesome (laughs) we're just gonna keep talking over each other (laughs) you go ahead you go ahead all right i i did too i i you know at that scene i did like seeing him out there fighting i think the the part where i got it was was back when when they were you know in in their in their castle but i i I love having the old characters back. It was, you know, one of, I got the biggest smile on my face when Frodo was back in the uh, in the original uh, in, the, in the original Hobbit when, when he appeared when they were leading up to kind of like that crossing between the Lord of the Rings starting and them. I, I, I love these old characters. I love the world, and, and that's why you know, that's why we come back to see it. Peter Jackson did a great job. Um, I'll, I'll let you take it on, Steve. Here with uh, with Legolas. 
I was, you know, I, I wasn't sure what to, how much we were going to get of Legolas. I knew that he wasn't in the books, and neither was the Evangeline Lily girl, Toriel. Toriel? Is that how you say it? Yeah, Toriel. Okay, so I knew that neither of those characters were in the book, so I wasn't sure how much we were going to get of them, but god damn, they take turn these guys into main characters of the movie. I mean, Legolas even has like a, a cliffhanger ending. You know, he's got himself a new uh, arch nemesis there at the end of his little turn in this film. So I, I, was ex- I, I was really excited to see him. I was hoping that we would get a lot of action with them, and boy, did we, because, I mean, him and Evangeline Lilia, they just come right into this movie just, just kicking ass and taking names. Now, according to screenwriter Philippa Boyens, the character of Toriel is an original creation written for the film. Uh, he says, uh, she's our redhead. We created her for, the, for that reason, to bring that energy into the film, that feminine energy. We believe it's completely within the spirit of Tolkien. So they tried to justify uh, the, uh, that, that character. So I like her better than Evangeline or than uh, uh, Liv Tyler's character. So, well, you know, it's like that whole romance in the Lord of the Rings between her and Aragon that never happened in the book. I mean, that didn't even exist. That was just like I think that like there's certain tropes that they have to have in movies. They feel like they they can't have a movie without a romance, and I think that's why they brought her into this film because later on we find out there's this love triangle between her and. And, uh, you know, Legolas he, uh, and, and, and Keeley. And Keeley, yeah. And we'll talk about that here in a moment. But, uh, you know what? I, I did really like her character, to be honest with you. And I, yeah, I thought she was awesome. I think she's a really beautiful actress, too. Yeah, I, I thought she was great. I mean, every, every time she was on screen, she had great presence. She, the fight scenes were terrific. Um, you know, she, she, you know, especially, um, would you say it was Keely, right? That yeah, uh, Keely. You know that that the, the scene with the scenes with him, I thought they were they were great. And and you're right, it is kind of it is kind of like that similar thing that they had in the first one um, with the, with Aragorn and uh, why well, am I drawing a blank on what Liv Tyler's character's name was? But uh, Arwen, it, it, it's you, Arwen. You, Arwen, you Arwen. Yeah, thank you. Um, but you, you you see like the you know he's he's bringing in the the similarities in those and. But I, I I I really did like her, and you know I, you know and hearing that she wasn't part of the books, and hearing how many how many people hated that, I, I was shocked because I thought I thought she brought great life and great uh, um, you know scenes to this story. What what I did not okay the thing the only thing that I didn't understand was the was the was. Uh... The fact that uh, Legolas was like in love with her. I, I, th- yeah, we all know we, she's not in the other. You know the the movies that come after this. We all know Legolas isn't with her. So why even bother putting that in there? Yeah, I, I, that's what I didn't understand. I, I didn't well, really... I mean, you never know. I mean, she could die. She could die. I mean, we that, don't know. Exactly. We don't know her. And maybe that's why. Maybe that's why he's got. Maybe that's why he's got even more problems with the dwarves because she went to help him and, and ended up dying. And true, true. And but that, I, I I think she has feelings for someone else. Well, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, you know, the, they, the elves come in there and they help clean up the spiders. I mean, that's, their, that's what they're there for. Um, you know, we find out later that Thandril is actually sending the elves out into the Mirkwood Forest to clean up these spiders. These spiders are moving in from the south 
And, uh, you know, that's why Legolas and Tariel and these elves are going in there. They're, they're in there to kill these spiders because there's been in like, a, uh, a lot more spiders coming into that, uh, into the forest. Um, now we, this is where we first, where Keely first meets Toriel and Toriel comes in there like a badass. She is awesome. And she is, uh, fighting these spiders and she saves Keely's life. Keely is still kind of like tied up from the webs, correct? And yeah. not, not able yeah. to not able to fight these spiders. He doesn't have a weapon, and she's fighting these spiders. He asks. He actually asks Toriel for a weapon. She doesn't trust him as far as she can throw him. Which I'm sure, she, actually, now that I say that, she could probably throw him pretty far. Um, but she doesn't trust him at all, and so she doesn't give him a weapon. But she takes. She ends up taking out all the spiders herself. Uh, I think Keely notices that she's. Of course, he notices her beauty, number one. But I think he thinks at the same time, I don't think he's ever seen someone like her, an elf or a woman that beautiful, fight alongside of men. Well, other, you know, men or, or excuse me, elves, elvish men and, and dwarves, but very, but just kick ass like that. I'm sure that Keely is used to seeing like dwarvish women who actually look like dwarvish men fight. But I've never, I don't think he's ever seen something that beautiful fight the way that she's fought. And I think he's just entranced by her. Do you guys agree? Yeah, you can tell right away that there's, that he's, he's got eyes for, for Toriel, so. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I mean that, that, that was, that was really easy. I I think just, just like you said, I mean, I think, yeah, the beauty was there, but I think that watching her just kick ass. Just, just won them over right there. Yeah, and this, yeah. And this is going to start another, another trope. Like we all have the, like the, the classic Lord of the Rings trope is everybody walking in a line on a, on a really cool mountainside or something. You know, like you always get those great money shots. And in the Hobbit films, it's been gather up the dwarves and march them somewhere. Like you know what I mean? Like they, you got to march them to meet the leader of this group, and you got to march them to meet the leader of the the goblins, and they're always getting gathered up and marched to meet somebody. And uh, that now, right now, that's what happens. The, the elves gather them up and march them to meet their, their leader. Right. So the elves they take the dwarves and they actually they, they take them as prisoners, um, and uh, you know they take them to Thandril and Thandril locks them up in a cell. And uh, at I this- think this is the first time you really get to see some of that awesome architecture. Like you get to see the wood elves, like the. The architecture they use for their city, all that like Celtic looking wood wood uh, architecture. But this is this is not this is not uh, this is not Rivendell. No, this is the Elvish city within Mirkwood. Yeah, I'm just saying, like it's like like you. No, but it, it's really awesome. Cool. It is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's beautiful, it, and I'm glad we got to see it. it. It was beautiful. Even even the cells that they were in, just the design. <laughs> yeah. Just the des- awesome. Yeah, just the design of the prison was so amazing. It just looked like everything was made from the forest itself. Like even the crown he was wearing was all made of branches and stuff. Like everything was really yeah. – it just was a really cool aesthetic that you know, Okay, used. what did you guys think of – okay, uh, we're going to see Lee Pace as uh, Ronan the Accuser in Guardians of the Galaxy. What did you think of Lee Pace as Thandral in this movie? I mean – I've seen Lee Pace in Pushing Daisies. I was a big fan of that show, but and I, he was always kind of like the you know the, he was kind of a charming, sweet guy in that show. Um, this is the first time I've seen him as a different character. What did you guys think of him? I thought he was amazing. 
Yeah, I really liked his character. I liked I liked his whole angle because his his character was there was no like gray area. Like he was who he was. Oh yeah, especially I think the best scene for him with that was when they had the orc, um, and you know, and he promised he would let him go, and basically, you know. He said that I did let him go from, you know, I did let him uh, free from his head or something. <laughs> yeah, like that. I freed his head from his body or something yeah. like that. That was great. And he was yeah, very, I, I, he was very emotive too. And the way he moved, you know, I, I love, I, I, God, he, I think that uh, I, I could have seen a lot more of him. I really would have enjoyed a lot more of his character. I think it, it definitely excites me for Guardians of the Galaxy. He, yes. He's going to be able to play a great villain. Absolutely. I was just about to say that I could see I could have seen him as the villain for this movie. You know, I mean, it, it, it would have just worked where, uh, you know, they would be, you know, for some odd reason chasing the dwarves or doing what. But, you know, he had that presence even like when he was shut, basically shutting down the borders. Um, it just yeah, even in the in the small small scenes we get of him, especially when he's talking, um. Well, when he shows his face because of of the burn he got from from smog, yeah, uh, that you know that that he you know he warned you know his Thorne's grandfather uh, about this. That's why he didn't help. But yet Thorne still, you know, holds that grudge, and I I, I like that scene. I, I just thought that you know between the two of them, it, it really worked well. Um, Toriel at one point she even says something about uh, this going back to the romance Toriel says something to uh, uh, Legolas about uh, Keely being taller than the others and Legolas kind of gives her this look and you can tell he's pissed um, but you can kind of tell that she's even a little bit attracted to Keely at this point Oh yeah, when uh, when he asked her why why he's looking at her like that, yeah, I I, I picked that up. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She looks all flustered and embarrassed. So, um, you know, of course, Bilbo, you know, uh, having you know the One Ring, he's he he escapes easily. So he's not taken prisoners. Now the dwarves are thrown into cells. Thorin. But Bilbo almost blows it, man. He almost blows it. Uh huh. Yeah. Because he's sitting there in a in a, in a uh, what's his name the the king again his name's uh, Thandril Thandril yeah he he uh, he comes walking around the corner and looks uh. right at Bilbo and he's like why don't you come out of the shadows I know you're there and Bilbo's right. about to take the ring off and come out but then from behind him comes Toriel so that, I thought that was a really cool scene that was very cool that was very cool that caught me off guard too. Um. But uh, let's see here. Now, now the dwarves, they're, okay, of course, we said they're thrown into their different cells. And uh, Fandril makes an offer to Thorin. He calls Thorin in, and he makes an offer to Thorin. He says he, he promises to let them go if they go and finish their quest. And But but the thing is, they need to bring the Arkenstone back to the elves because the elves want it too. Mm-hmm. Did, was it the Arkenstone? Because he said the, the white, white diamond, which is the Arkenstone. I thought maybe he meant diamonds or something else if it was in there. Um, no, when, that they, wasn't true, when they talk so. about the white diamond, they are talking about the one that that's what they're talking about. That they're talking about the Arkenstone. Okay, yeah, that's yeah, that was I, the I one. I, yeah, that, that wouldn't. I didn't catch that. And I, I mean, I caught that he was looking for a big white. I thought he was just going like wanting some riches or something. And there is no way 
No, that's what I thought immediately. Oh, that's yeah, because that's why that's why Thorne tells him to fuck off. Exactly. Okay, if they just want a diamond, sure, whatever. Okay, let me out of there. But it is essential for him as king that they have the Arkenstone. That is that okay. they need that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, I missed that. I thought that maybe he just still held a grudge for them not helping, and he didn't give a shit. He wouldn't help an elf uh, for for anything. Well, I, yeah, I, I can I can see that too. But I think when if it, for me when I saw it when he said the white diamond, he didn't call it by name, but I knew he was talking about the Arkenstone. And as soon as he said that, that was pretty much like "fuck you." I'm not bringing you the Arkenstone. Got it. Yeah, and, and, that, make, that makes more sense. Now. That infuriated him, and that's why he went off on that rant about you know when because like what you saw in the hobbit the first movie where they were on top of the the that 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 cliff and you saw lee pace that was when you saw him in that first hobbit movie and then he was on top of that like deer you know riding that deer or whatever yeah and then they turned around and left him and abandoned him and nobody helped the dwarves so you know that that's that's what i got from it like he wanted the arkenstone and it's like come on that's their whole reason for going back into the Misty Mountains. Of course, of course, they want their home back, but part of getting their home back is getting the Arkenstone. I was going to say, could, could they even have their home back if they didn't have the Arkenstone? Exactly. I mean, There's no balance in their home if they don't have the Arkenstone. Yeah, they have to use that to unite all the, the families, right? Yes. So, I mean, you know, it's that, that that's what I got out of it, that... that Thandrill, cool. Thrandrill was actually wanting the Arkenstone, and seriously, you know, he would rather spend an eternity in prison than ever give the elves something. Yeah, because he he goes back to a cell in there that the old uh, the old dwarf, yeah, the one with the big white beard. I, I, his name escapes me right now, but he asks him like, "Did you take the deal?" And then he, Thorin says something like, "I told him to," and then he like drops some crazy freaking dwarvish language on us, and you know that he just said some fucked up shit. Right? Because that that old dwarf is just like, "Oh my god," <laughs> he's like, he's like, "Okay, well, we're in here forever now. Thanks a lot." Uh, we get now, the, this wasn't in the book, right? There, this part uh, with him asking for the Arkenstone. You know what? I can. And I cannot remember. I honestly cannot remember. I have not. I have not read The Hobbit in the last time I read The Hobbit has been twelve, thirteen years ago. I cannot remember. I I, I would have to. I would. It's been a long time since I read it. I do not remember that in the book. To be honest with you. All right. Um. Let's see here. Uh, so moving on. Moving on. Yeah, moving. And I'm sorry, guys. I mean, I can I can remember major points in the Hobbit, the book, but I, I don't remember that to be quite honest with you. Um, let's see here. There's the we see the scene with Toriel, and uh, she she goes to the cell and stops and starts talking with Keely, and uh, they start talking about Keely's got that that stone. That yeah yeah with the with the carvings on it. Right right. And he tells her. Uh, he tells her. She asks what what it is, and he says, "Oh, it's a talisman with a curse on it. Anybody that's not a dwarf that reads it's going to be cursed forever." And she's about to walk away, and he goes, "Oh, or not." <laughs> right, right. So, I mean, she sticks around, and they they start to talk. She doesn't. She even sit down with him. Like he's he's sitting down, like, sitting. Yeah, down. she sits on the steps outside of his cell. Right, 
and they start to talk. I mean, she's there's some romantic feelings going on here. And then, and then poor Legolas in the background looking on, all all jealous, all all jealous, like yeah, he's Lega jealous. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so um, you know they're, they're talking, and uh, then of course, okay, let's just let's skip ahead a little bit. Uh, Bilbo is inside uh he's inside the the elvish uh city and he helps he's going to help them escape he there's uh the dwarves the excuse me the elves and they're they're drinking wine or something and uh getting drunk and and he notices that uh one of the elves has the uh the keys to the cells and uh he snags them off of them and uh he unlocks the cells the uh, the the, uh, the prison doors and now all the dwarves are going to escape uh, Bilbo and so like Bilbo is thinking like how he's going to get him out of there and he takes him to the wine barrels and uh, they all get in the wine barrels and this this is like this is a really cool chain of events this this was awesome this this begins probably one of the best scenes that I've seen in a long time in anything. This whole barrel scene was just amazing. I can't. And the one, yeah. the one dwarf that you're going to have to remember in this one it was that was the uh, the fat hobbit or the fat the fat dwarf. The oh, movie, that one. Bomber. Yeah, yeah, Bomber. His his events that take place during this barrel chase are crazy. Right. Yeah. The the that that whole barrel scene was just amazing. I mean. I, I don't know. I, ever since I and was it was a, cool because it. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Ever since I was a kid, I've loved like any scene where anybody is like on a white water raft or something and going down a river that's uncontrollable, uh, and the yeah. events that happen. Like uh, if you watch Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom when they are going down the rapids in that. Uh, mm-hmm. um, they're going down the rapids. They're, go- they're also going off the uh, the snow, the ice, right? Yes. That dude, I love that kind of stuff, and like this was like that on steroids. This was awesome. Yeah, and it, and, it, and it threw you through a loop because like you you saw it in the trailers, you saw them you know uh, going down the river in the barrels, and it looked like the elves were climbing through the trees shooting at them. Yeah, but and we that's, didn't know that's the, not at all what what was yeah, happening. There's when, when you actually watch the movie. Yeah, the orcs show up. And exactly. So, yeah, and that was oh man, as they were like taking out the orcs and taking their weapons. And then that, that remember that part where they were uh, there was that big log going across and every, yes. all the were taking swings at the log until the last one hit it and all the orcs <laughs> fell in the water. Yeah, <laughs> and the, yeah, they're all tossing each we- weapons to each other, and then like one of the one of the dwarves, like uh, that one uh, orc, jumps at him and he throws he throws the he throws a weapon at him and he sticks him to like a log or a tree or something <laughs> like, and he's just hanging there. <laughs> Yeah, oh, that was great. And then, yeah, and then Bomber, he, he gets thrown out of the river. And he starts rolling around on the sides of the river, and it's like bowling. He's just taking people out. And the whole, and all the sound goes quiet. All you hear are like the sounds of his barrel crashing into people. And he's like going over, you know, like ramps and like flying through the air and taking people out. It was just crazy. Yeah, the barrel finally stops, and he's standing, and his arms are poking out of the barrel. He's still holding oh, weapons. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. And then he starts spinning around. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was like a top. He just starts spinning around, taking people out. And Oh, and you know what? I forgot to mention it back before, but um, when Bjorn, when they were running to his to the house, uh-huh. he was he got scared, remember? And he was 
he started chucking it, man, and he got past. He was running faster than all the other swords uh, <laughs> yes! and everything, and he was yeah! calling ass. <laughs> that that was one of my favorite parts because yeah. I'm, I'm 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 a big dude and I just love that. Like he saw the bear behind him and it's like. He's like, he like, I know, I know that up. dude's gonna eat me first. I'm getting the <laughs> hell out of here. Look. <laughs> and now, now he's, now he's like, like Brian was saying. Now he's in that barrel, and he sticks his arms out of the barrel, and he's got like a sword in one hand and an axe in the other, and he just starts spinning around like the Tasmanian devil, just taking everybody out. And yeah, it was he's great. Just, he's just flipping around. And what I was trying to wonder where is because then he hops into an empty barrel. I'm like, where the hell did that empty barrel come from? I thought they all had one. But I just thought it was it was good. It was it was a it was a it was a fun scene. I, I thought that was one of the especially getting chased by the orcs and seeing all you know everything coming. They're just trying to get killed and being able to laugh. I thought yeah, that but was yeah, and then, and, then, and then at one point they all get bottlenecked into a there's like a gate. That was at the beginning. That was at the beginning. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That was right when the orcs showed up. Was right. That's there. when right. Uh, yeah. that's when Keeley gets shot by the he got orcs. Shot with the arrow. Yeah, yeah, he got yeah, shot with the poison yeah, arrow. Which, over that. that poison arrow d- that that reminded me of the scene where uh, Frodo got stabbed by the ring race blade and he got poisoned. Yeah. Yep, and again we're gonna have a similar thing where uh, um, you know how how he gets healed, you yeah. know how yeah. he gets taken care of. So. Yeah, exactly. The elf with the glowing lights and right now, okay, but okay, going back to the barrel scene because this was one of the best action sequences I've ever seen in a ever, movie ever. In any- Legolas shows up, Toriel shows up, but Legolas, when he is jumping across the heads of the dwarves, bound, <laughs> they're all on barrels and he is jumping from head to head to head. <laughs> and on, at one point he balances on just one and he's still shooting arrows and taking people out. It was amazing. Absolutely uh, amazing. I want to watch that scene again. I cannot wait. And uh, a lot of that was filmed. That, that a lot of it was practical effects. It was not. I mean, Legolas standing on their heads. Yes, there was CGI involved sure. there. But they, uh, there was an interview with them when they were talking that that they did go down that that river. The river was very very uh, difficult to control uh, with them in the barrels, and they were really they were all really afraid for their lives for a lot of it. Um, that which was kind of which was kind of interesting to hear that they actually were able to do. A lot of that with practical effects. That is, I, I, I think we're all in agreement, though, right? I mean, hands down, this was like had to be like one of the best scenes in this movie, if, if not almost every movie. Yeah, I mean, this was this was awesome. I loved this barrel scene. The the like we talked earlier about Bomber, you know, you know, bouncing around, knocking orcs over like bowling pins and shit. And when he started to spin around, I mean, that was funny. I mean, I got tons of laughs in my theater. I don't know. Oh, about yeah, you I was guys. busting up, man. I was, I was losing it when that happened. Yeah, I, I was had laughing a, out loud. I had a smile on my face the whole time. Um, but, uh, you know, okay, after the barrel scene and everything, they kind of they, they skip ahead, and we've uh, got Gandalf, and that's where he is heading up the mountain. You know, Gandalf left the, the party, the dwarf party in Bilbo. And he's heading up the mountain, uh, up that mountain where the ring wraiths, apparently, we see that the ring wraiths are not in their, I don't know, what do you call it? Their cages, their cells. Yeah, their cages. Yeah, you can see that the the nine ring wraiths that were once, okay, there were nine rings at one time that were given to humans. These humans became ring wraiths. And they, looks like they are not there anymore. They have been summoned by the necromancer 
which we know the necromancer is Sauron, but this is where Gandalf meets up with Radagast again, uh, the uh, wizard from the first movie, the one that has the birds that live in his beard and his hair. Yeah, and has all the, bird, the, bird, sh- the bird shit on yeah, his face. He's got bird shit all over him. But he's this- got that wicked uh, rapid uh, rabbit sled. <laughs> yeah, he's got, <laughs> he, he's got the Bugs Bunny sled. That shit is great. Yeah, I love it. I love it. That's one of the fun that's – a, that's a fun scene from the first movie. I really like that one. No, no, and I really liked his character. I, I thought that uh, they – you know, especially in the first one, they, they did a, a good job with him and telling his, uh, you know, a bit of his story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And from what it, from what it showed in this movie, I think we're going to see some cool shit from him. He hasn't really done much, and I think he's going to get his, he's going to get a cool scene in the next movie, hopefully. Like, okay, so, all right, this is not the mo- This is not the end of what we see from you know Gandalf and uh, and and that they do cut back to him again, but. Uh, you know, at this point in time, Gandalf learns that the ring race are not, you know, they're not contained anymore, that they are loose. So there is some fucking evil afoot and things are happening. And uh, I think, you know, I think it, it's scaring the shit out of Gandalf at this point, And uh, he's still digging further into it, wanting to know exactly, you know, what's going on. But I think. Yeah, and, that, and there was that scene where he was, he was getting ready to he was getting ready to leave and Radagast talked him into not. Leaving. Right. Right. You know, he, and what did he, again, I've said something to the tune of like, uh, I have to forsake my friends or something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, what's more important, your friends or the world, basically? Right. Yeah. 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 That, that was that was crazy. Um, Luke. Okay. Now we're introduced to Luke Evans in the film. Uh, you guys remember him as Bard? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And uh, we get that scene where uh, basically the goblins are after. You know the dwarves and Bilbo, and uh, they need to get down that. They need to get down the river, or these goblins are going to kill them. So they've got to talk Luke Evans, the Bard, into taking them down the river. And so they they basically all they, they chip in and give him like all the all the money that they have, or like you know coin or whatever they have, right? Yeah. Well, they, they have the one Hobbit who who doesn't, or the goddamn it, the one dwarf that doesn't want to pony up. But yeah, then they're, yeah. they're they're crossing that lake, and that one dwarf doesn't want to pony up, but he get, catches a glimpse of the lonely mountain, and right there he's just like, "Take it all, we yeah. made it." Yeah, and it goes back. It goes back to kind of what uh, I'm drawing a blank on the 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 man bear uh, uh, Bjorn Bjorn Bjorn. Well, what he was saying about how how their greed, um, you know, that the dwarves are greedy, and like that guy, you know, everybody ponied up, and he's like, "Oh, you've already." Uh, you know, this quest has already milked me dry, and I'm just thinking to myself, well, the, the quest is supposed to be, you know, basically for, you know, all of you, all of, you know, all of the dwarves to, to get back what they, what they once had. What, why does it matter, you know, a few shekels that you have? And it kind of, it just showed you a little bit more that even, even though they're on this big quest, that, that gold is still, uh, you know, really, really important to them. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, Bjorn was 100% right. You know, I can even, okay, yeah, like, dwarves are greedy. I mean, even in the Lord of the Rings, they showed that uh, dwarves, uh, even in the mines of Moria, they kept digging and digging and digging and digging, and then they unlocked that demon creature that uh, eventually, you know, killed Gandalf the Grey. Uh, you know, he came back as Gandalf the White, but I mean, 
their greed gets them into so many, you know, uh, problems. I mean, greed, greed is, greed is, uh, you know, it's the root of all evil, one of the roots of all evil. And, and, uh, you can see that, uh, that's part of the dwarves nature, unfortunately, is they're obsessed with gold and jewels and rubies and, and, uh, even now, you know, uh, with something much bigger at stake, you know, that, that yeah, that dwarf is, is, is being very greedy when it comes to his own little piece of the pie. Yeah, but after that, then we start getting into another little bit of, of, of good humor because now they have to hide in order to get into the city. And so they have to get back into the barrels and get covered with fish. Yeah, they get covered in with In order to get through the gates. Right, right. And uh, for a second, we don't think that it's going to work. Yeah, they get stopped in there. They're telling him to dump the dump the fish over the side, but you know, Luke Evans does gets a sweet talk on and manages to stop that from happening. So they're in the city now, and they're uh, they actually have to enter Luke Evans' home through the uh, underneath his home, and they have to enter his home through the to, through the toilet. Oh man, do you remember the line that the little girl said? <laughs> what did she say? She said, they, they, "There's two daughters. There's an older one and a young one." And the older one says, "Dad, why is why are there dwarves coming out of our toilet?" And the little one says, "Well, they bring us luck." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, that that was that was a good line. It was and that yeah, like it was every it was like every time that they had to do something, they had to get themselves into some weird random place. You know, covered in the fish, coming through the toilet. They're always and there's that one big ass dwarf with the bald head. He's like, "Never speak of this." Right, well, yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> tear your face off or some shit. That was cool. It's like, guys, if, uh, from reading the books, you get a. Um, I think a lot of the problem that you get in the movie is that you don't really get attached to a lot of the characters in the books, like because there's so many dwarves that that are featured in this movie. But when you read the books, you do get a feel for these characters, and and you do get attached to these characters. And it's like, I remember reading the book and being like, oh, you know. Like, you know, falling in love with, like, you know, Feely and Keely and Owen and Glowen and, and all these characters. And they all had their own personalities and stuff like that. And, you know, you got to sacrifice some of that when you're, when you're you know, watching a two-hour and 40-minute long movie. Some of that has to get sacrificed. You can't get into too much character development with these characters in a movie. But in a book, you can because you got so many pages of story. See, I disagree with that, and I think that's my that's that's the one thing that's pulling me back from from giving this a you know a Tupperware is you know there there are you know thirteen right thir, thir, is it thirteen with there's thirteen with fourteen with Gandalf right yeah I mean the Fellowship had nine I mean and I felt that in in, in just the Fellowship of the Ring, I was able to invest in every one of those characters. And in this one, I, I don't invest really in any of the dwarves. I invest in Bilbo, but all of the dwarves, I mean, I understand what they're going through. I understand everything. I see it. It makes sense. But I, I don't ever have that investment with them that I think that, that... that I'm thinking that this is why these two, these last two movies... This is the one thing that's missing to make these things as beloved as that last trilogy. Is you don't feel they're spending a lot of time, and you're saying that that you you can't get invested. I think you can. I just don't think that that it's there that these characters that we we, we don't 
their their entire problem and everything that's that's caused these issues for them, and you see it, is their greed. You know, and in the, in the fellowship, you're seeing that they're trying to go and make things right, and it's a different type of story. I mean, you got Boromir with the greed in the first one, but I mean, every one of these characters, except for uh, I'm, trying, I'm drawing a blank on the one uh, dwarf, the white haired one, the the elder. He's probably the only one that I actually kind of connected to because he seemed to be the only one that was reasonable out of the whole group. Well, him and 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 Keeley, I thought I, I, I like Keeley, but besides those two, every other one I kind of was was like, okay, I understand, but you know, if something happened to you, I'm not going to shed a I'm not going to shed a tear. Yeah, but what draws you to Boromir? The Boromir sacrifices his life to save the lives of uh, you know Pippin and Merry. You know? Yeah, exactly. He 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 changed it at the end. I mean, he 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 had his his moment of of making up for I, that situation of where he put um, where he put Frodo in. I think that we could get to know these characters a little bit more if they didn't jump away to show us what you know uh, Gandalf was Gandalf doing. Was what doing. Exactly. Well, that's I, what I mean. That's what I mean. And I think that's what's missing. And that's okay. what, that's what's missing. We're for on me the same page then. Is because I don't I don't I don't love them. I don't, I'm telling you I don't I, I don't love them like I love the original cast. I left the Fellowship of the Ring, and my mind was blown that that movie was that good. And it had a movie that abruptly ended, basically, you know, similar to what we're going to talk about this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, Holy shit! But the fact that the fact that I walked out of there and said, "Oh my god, I, I want to see it again and again and again and again and again," and I can't wait for this thing to come out on DVD. I can't wait for the extended cut. And I, you know, and I, I've watched the Fellowship and I've watched all three of these so many times. But I don't have that same feeling with these last two movies. I love Middle Earth. I love the characters. I love Gandalf, even though you're right, they should have probably cut that down. Well, that could have been in the extended and, edition. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Which, we're, which, which we're gonna get, and they're gonna be awesome. <laughs> but I, I lose, I lose having that investment in these in the dwarves, and I think the other problem too is, even though I didn't read the book, I know, I know, um, a. My same problem with the original, the the um, the Star Wars um, prequels. I know what's going to happen with Bilbo. I don't. I don't. Every time he's when he's when he's with it, I'm, I'm, I'm jumping ahead. But you know, I, I don't have any any fear that anything bad's going to happen to Bilbo, who I think I have the most investment with. And if he if 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 they would have worked on investing you into the dwarves, because we don't know what their future is. We, we get little glimpses of it, you know. There's the one guy who shows you that you know Gimli is his son, and, and and that that was that was cool and all. But if they would have given me more time in there, then I would I would have more investment and have more fear to see what's going to happen to them. And I, I get that in the fellowship. I don't get it here. And that that's that's what I'm saying. That that's where my that's where my differences are. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There, there's. Uh, we all know what happens at the end. That's the problem with prequels. Uh, exactly. And uh, but if but if they would give me the dwarves that I would care for, where I know what happens, I know Bilbo's story. Yeah, but if they try and give you, if they give you backstory on all thirteen dwarves, we're going to be sitting down for a ten-hour movie. It's just not going to work. But they didn't give me backstory on all nine. Uh, you know, in, in the Fellowship. I mean, we're we're talking about. 
you know, in that one, they're introducing us to Gandalf. They're introducing us to Boromir, to Aragorn. You got little snippets, but you got enough with each character. In this one, you know, I, I, I can tell you a little bit, you know, you've got the brothers. Yeah, I, are, think, I think, it, yeah, yeah. You know, but you, you don't get enough. And, and I don't think they do a good job because I think they're, they're worried about, I, I don't want to say boring us, but I don't think they bored us in the first one. I think they were able to space it better, and I think this one, and that's the problem. You know, that's what the problem we're getting. We're, we're cutting back and forth with Gandalf out doing his own adventure, and we're we're losing that relationship we're supposed to be building with these dwarves. Yeah, I mean, it fucks with the pacing of the movie, and, and it fucks with the character development with the with the dwarves. I mean, yeah, if you read the books. I, you 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 get attached to these dwarves. Each and every one of them, each and every one of them have their special place in that book, and I think that you miss that in, in the movie a lot. And but I understand. I mean, that's a problem. That's the problem with making a movie that you can only have two hours and forty minutes. But I think Peter Jackson sometimes focuses on things that maybe you don't need to focus on. I don't know. I mean. I think you lo- the, the I don't know. I, I think I think there's definitely favorites. There's definitely favorite dwarves and you're getting, you know what I mean? They're they're spending more time with certain ones. But think about it. Think about it. Think about it. Okay, people that that haven't read the book, who if you haven't read the book, who would you rather see extra scenes of? Gandalf or would you just see more dwarves? More dwarves. More dwarves. Every time it cut back to Gandalf, as but cool it, as no, the shit was it, that was happening, but I see, don't care about it. But people that haven't read the book, they don't care about more dwarves. They want to see more Gandalf. Because that's what they you're, know. You're right. You're, no, 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 you're, you're, you're right. I mean, when I watched the first one, some of my favorite scenes were <laughs> the very beginning with Frodo. The scenes with him and Gandalf. They were some of my favorite scenes because, you know what, it was bringing me back to that trilogy that I love so much. And But my, my thing is, is here is, is they could have gotten me to love these two movies as much if they weren't so afraid to deviate from those characters. Now, what if, okay, let me ask you this question. Like, okay, like, uh, what would you care about more? If in this film, if we were watching this film, what would you, what if Nori or Dory, Nori or Dory died? Would you care? No, because you really haven't gotten to know them. I, you couldn't. I couldn't even pick them out of a lineup. There you go. No, you you wouldn't care, but it would it would automatically put something. It would make it more. Um, it would be a big deal in the movie. You would be. You would know the significance of of them dying in the movie. You just wouldn't have that same connection to them, but you would understand the characters' connection to them. All right. Let's let's continue with the movie. I mean, I I don't know. Let, let's keep going. Um, <laughs> let's see here. So. Basically, we get the scene where you know we find out there's uh, in the town of Dale, there's the uh, the master, and uh, the master he's got it out for the bard, and uh, basically he has had spies watching the bard, who's been played by Luke Evans, and they find out that the dwarves are being um, that, that the bard has been. Uh, Working with the dwarves is that correct? They, I'm trying to remember exactly how it comes. I know they yeah. catch them. That the, the uh, 
the the bard he has a suspicion oh, yeah, yeah, about yeah. who Thorin is, and he runs off to try and investigate who the, Thorin he wants, is. Yeah, he he has him sneak into the house through the toilets, and then he wants him to stay until nightfall. They end up exactly. leaving. They end up leaving. They escape. Yeah, yeah they, they try and go get weapons because he tries to give him fishing gear and for right. weapons. And that's when Keely, you know, his wound, his poisonous wound, is getting him sick. He falls down the stairs, makes a bunch of noise. They end up finding him and capturing him. And, and they get gathered up and marched again. Exactly. So that's when we have that big scene in like uh, town, you know, the town square, where. Have uh, you, you guys watched that that show Bizarre Foods? With uh, Bizarre Andrew Foods. Z- Andrew Zimmer is it Zimmerman? Yeah, he's, yeah. The, he's the guy that eats testicles all the time. That's the master of Lake Town, just with long hair and a beard. Looks no, exactly that's like Stephen that Fry. I, I know. I'm just I, saying. He's it. being exactly sar- like him. It's yeah, just, he's it, being it, sarcastic. He doesn't remind me anything of Andrew Zimmerman. I can't You're watch crazy. that. Game. You're crazy. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, but but yeah, he they, they they bring him up and then there there's that speech again where uh, hello. Yeah, I heard that too. I thought uh, I thought Sauron killed one of you guys. I didn't know what happened yes. there. The necromancer, but uh, I think Steve is know. writing a note. Nope, I didn't touch nothing. <laughs> But you know, there was that good that good speech where basically, you know, they're offering them the riches of the town to help them out. You know that they're you know they're going back to reclaim their their gold and and everything. And you see that the town flip. Uh, you know, just just with that thought. And I I thought that was a good scene uh, to show basically what the what the town master was there for. He you know he he knew at that point that he had um, that he had barred where he wanted him, where nobody would be, you know, you know, because he, he, to me reminded me of like town's Robin hood. Yeah. Well, okay. the thing is, is like, uh, and Thorin was like, did Thorin, I mean, did it feel like to you, like Thorin knew, like the master was totally against the bard. And so like, if he, if, if he like, basically like, it was like, uh, the bard versus Thorin and, uh, whatever the bard wants, the master's going to choose the opposite, so it's like Thorne's going to get his way. Did that? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. No, that, that yeah, makes. It sense. definitely seemed like they were, he was. They were like doing a lot of back and forth. You know, there was like a debate happening, and the bard was winning people over, and he would say stuff, and then Thorne was winning people over, but Thorne just had a, had a better game to sell. Well, it's and, and of course, like the master, he's the one in charge. So I mean, and of course, the people are going to want money and riches. I mean, if somebody's promising that, it's just like the scene from Batman when Jack Nicholson throws, like, all the $100 bills into the street. Everybody loves the Joker. Yep. So, I mean, that's exactly what happened here. It's like, you know, the dwarves are saying, hey, you know, if we go into the Misty Mountains and we reclaim what's ours, you know, everybody's going to benefit. Everybody's going to get a piece of the pie. And, uh, and everybody loves it, and they are welcomed into the town as celebrities. And then, yeah, and then the bard is like, "Hey, if they go there, what's going to happen is uh, they're going to awaken a dragon. The dragon's going to come back here, and he's going to kill everybody here in the town of Dale." And uh, it doesn't matter what the bard says. The master hates the bard so much; it, it doesn't really. He's going to go against anything that the master that uh, the the master is going to go against anything the bard says. So I mean, yeah. Thorin uses this to his advantage, clearly in that scene, and I, I thought that was an awesome scene personally. 
Yes, oh. very, very cool. And yeah, it's just it, it sets everything up for what happens now. Now they can get their weapons and armor they needed. Now they can get stocked up. Yeah, so it, it sets everything into motion. So you know, yeah, they get sent off, and it's not all of the dwarves that go. I mean, uh, they leave uh, Feely. Uh, well, Keely stays behind because, of course, you know, he's injured with the poison. And then Feely, that's his brother. He's like, I'm not going anywhere without Keely. You know? Yeah, and then, and then the guy with the weird hat, whichever, yeah, yeah. whichever uh, uh, dwarf that was, he was a little too uh, too drunkard there to make the boat. Yeah, that, that was kind of funny. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we're leaving him behind because he, he didn't make it in time. I was just like, okay. It's not like you could lose any, uh, any of your uh, small group of people to go fight a dragon, but... They didn't care. I just thought that was kind of fun. <laughs> oh, one thing that we did skip over is that like the Luke Evans, when he's talking with his family, they do talk about the story of uh, you know when uh, um, Smog originally attacked the town. How they used that one dwarvish. Uh, it was the uh, dwarvish uh, that weapon where they they would shoot the black arrows. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. It was like a, it's like a, it was almost like a, yeah, it was just like a big harpoon gun. Yeah, big harpoon gun. Uh, and and it, he shot like two or three black arrows, and one of them actually removed one of the scales from uh, Smog, which which kind of that's kind of like his Achilles heel. That's his weak spot. And it you know they didn't know if it actually happened or if that's just legend or if that was real. Um, but but I thought that was kind of cool that they brought that up. Um, but like that's that's canon though. They have to. Yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, that's if you if you've seen the cartoon. <laughs> spoiler alert. Right. Well, and again, that that goes more to you know. There's Bilbo listening intently to the story. Yeah. You know, while everybody else is kind of brushing it off. You know, oh, that's just myth. None of that really happened. But he's sitting there listening intently, asking questions. You know, and, and again, we'll we'll see that here probably in the next coming scene where they. Where they find the door. Now, yeah, they find the door. They're at the Misty Mountains. And, uh, you know, part of the legend is that the last light of Durin's day will shine and you'll be able to see the keyhole for the entrance. And, and Thorin has the key. So they're waiting. So as the sun sets, they don't see anything. And the sun sets and then the dwarves are just like, you know, fuck it, man. We didn't see anything. And they leave. Um, Bilbo, on the other hand, is a little bit more patient and waits around. And realizes that it's not the last shine of the sunlight, but it's actually the moonlight that reveals the the uh, key, the keyhole. And yeah, it's, it's a riddle, like like in, uh, in the Fellowship of the Ring when they're waiting to get into uh, Moria. Yeah, yeah, uh, the Elvis word for friend. S- yeah, yeah, Belloc. And uh, so, uh, yeah, this is uh, this is another kind of like another riddle. It's the moonlight, and uh, so you know. They 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 open the door and it's kind of cool the uh, the scene where they enter um, the Misty Mountains for the first time in 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 I don't know how long how long has it been since the events two hundred years yeah something like that and the scene because it was it was Luke Evans' dad I believe who uh, tried to shoot the. Uh, Shoot the shoot smog, or was it was it somebody? Was it his grandfather? I can't remember. I, yeah. I don't think it was two hundred years. I thought it was like sixty years. Yeah, I, I may be confusing it. It's I think I believe you're right. I believe it's sixty years. 
Yeah, yeah, because his dad, Garion, uh, is the one that shot at, is the one that took the scale off of Smog. And, yeah, so Bard is, it's his is his son. So, yeah, it wouldn't be 200 years. Yeah. It'd be a lot less than that. But the, the scene where they first walk inside that door, um, the how they react, I thought that was really cool. They were, you could tell they related. At the same time, they were just like, they felt like they were home, you know? Like, they said stuff like, you know, I remember these halls. I remember this stone as he touches the stone. And you could, yeah. you know, I think it was Balin was actually crying. You know, I mean, this is their home. They, they're yeah, home. Yeah, and, and they're, once again, you get to see this awesome architecture design. You know, just like the Wood Elves had their different architecture, the, the, the dwarves is all angular and very, like, uh, very machine-like. And it's um, it's just really cool. It's so intricate, and each you know race has their very own style. It's really cool. Yeah. The whole the whole area is really well decorated, well designed. Now, uh, Balin, uh, you know, Bilbo is supposed to be the burglar, so he tells the burglar, you know, Bilbo, it's up to you to go down into like the treasure room and and find the Arkenstone. So. You know, we've got Bilbo. He's going to go down to find the Arkenstone, which, you know, nobody knows if Smog's still alive, if Smog's dead. Nobody knows. So that's up in the air. Now, then we get the scene where Gandalf, he, uh, he, he's up in that, he, he's up in that mountain where, uh, is it a mountain? What the, what the hell is he at? He's at like, uh, like a, like a castle. Yeah, like, yeah. And it looks like it's abandoned, but he said that the, he says that there's a spell concealing what's really happening there. So right, and then he he uh, he bangs his staff against the ground to reveal what's really there, and then that the, then he casts like it's like a force field sphere that he casts, and and uh, he eventually sees like all the goblins and orcs that are there, and yeah. uh, I mean it's it's pretty overwhelming, like you know the forces that. That uh, the necromancer, uh, who we, now they they we all know who it is, but they, anyway, they reveal him to be a Sauron. Uh, familiar character. <laughs> yeah, they reveal him to be Sauron, and and they show like how like the I guess like the pupil that you remember like in the movies the fire eye that you saw yeah, that was yeah, Sauron. Yeah, yeah. The pupil is actually like a silhouette. The silhouette of Sauron that we saw in the first film. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did like that. I like how they how they did that because he was kind of, you know, his character didn't really have form. He was kind of in the shadows because you saw you saw him earlier when he was talking to the uh, to the white orc. Um, and basically, he was just you know like a shadow on the wall, uh, and and I like that you know basically he turned into the eye like he was the you know the pupil, right. Now, uh, another thing, you know, the white orc does not show up in the Hobbit, the book, but the the white really? orc, yeah, he doesn't. He's not a character. Like, there's goblins in the book, but there's not a like a white goblin or a white orc in the book. But he does. I believe he does show up in like the appendages, like the extra appendages that never got put into the actual stories that you can read out there. Um. But uh, he's not actually part of the Hobbit, the book. Just wanted to throw that out there real quick. Um, but now we finally get the scene that everybody's been waiting for, that I know I've been waiting for. 
that we get to see, you know, Bilbo and he's in the treasure room and uh, we finally get to see, you know, first we get to see, you know, the treasures as, as Bilbo's walking around. We get to see like all the gold coins. Crazy overwhelming. Yeah. Gold, Crazy. Golden shields, uh, diamonds and uh, rubies and, and gems and, and uh, they finally, you know, Bilbo's walking along and, 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 uh, as he's walking, he uh, he steps on a certain area and, and it reveals Smog's eye. Yeah, I thought I thought that was really cool how the coins kind of just drifted. I was actually waiting for Scrooge McDuck to pop out. I thought that too. I thought the same <laughs> thing. Did you guys notice like when Smog started to move at certain times, like the gold coins they would move actually like a wave in the ocean. Yep. <laughs> and Bilbo it's was. Just- Bilbo would slide on them like it was a wave, like an actual wave, like a water. It was pretty cool. I liked it. If if Disney owned this, you would have seen some kind of Scrooge McDuck reference, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I thought it was cool. They made Bilbo. I mean, Bilbo's small anyway, but the sheer size of Bilbo compared to the magnitude of smog, in my opinion, was even greater than what I had in my imagination when I read the book for the first time. Yeah, I think I think we can all agree right now. Right, smog. I mean, the, his design, the way they designed him, what he looks like, great. Yeah, he was fucking awesome, dude. I mean, watching. Okay, and I don't know what he looked like in two D. I don't know what he looked like in three D. But I know what he looked like in IMAX three D. And the scenes with smog, like I was sitting back in every other scene, but the scenes with smog, I would lean forward, hoping to see more. Like. <laughs> He he was amazing. Like, the sheer magnitude of that character was absolutely amazing. Um, I didn't know if you guys knew this, but aside from providing the voice of Smog, Benedict Cumberbatch also supplied motion capture performance to portray the dragon. Yeah, I saw that, but I wasn't, I wasn't sure exactly what he did for that. But, but that, that is interesting. Uh, and then Benedict Cumberbatch, he wow. also... He, he really took this seriously. He studied reptiles in the London Zoo to actually prepare for the role of Smog. <laughs> what? Yeah. What? Benedict Cumberbatch. I'll repeat it. Benedict Cumberbatch. He studied reptiles in the London Zoo to prepare for the role of Smog. I mean. That's, that's cool and all, but come on, man. <laughs> come on, man. I know. I know. I'm just saying. I'm just Come saying. on, Benedict. Um, it, al- it also it took one week to render a scale from Smog's body. So, wow. Really? Yes. Wow. So well, they 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 sure man they, they went all out with this. Yeah, I mean every every time Smog was on the screen, it was just like it was like breathtaking. That was my problem with this movie is that. It was breathtaking, and it was awe-inspiring, and it was awesome, and then they would jump back to Dale. 
and the yep. dwarves and Dale and the humans, and then they would jump back to something going on with Gandalf, and it would. That's where yeah, the, you're right. You're right. Like the whole last hour was smog, and we barely we didn't get to spend nearly an hour with him. So. They should have just kept everything smog for that last whatever you know. Forty. Yeah, I should have. Yeah, you're right about that. Jumping, you are right about that. Jumping back. That's the only reason I gave this movie a taste. It is because it fucked with the pacing. I mean, if they would have kept everything smog at the end, I was all in. I would have been all in. But they would go from smog back to something else going on in the story, which would be great if we were watching the extended edition, but we're not. And it just messed with – it really hampered the pacing of this movie in my opinion. No, I, I agree with you there. I mean, that that's that was my problem too because it seemed like it, they come back to smog and it seems like we missed something. It seems like he, he and Bilbo had something that happened that we missed. And it, it was just it was just so weird. Well, and it also uh, made you feel like, why the fuck hasn't Smog killed these guys yet? They've been dealing with him. He's been dealing with them for forever. It feels like. I mean, yeah, you've got this. You've got this huge dragon that you. He basically when he he can breathe fire, and that was another cool effect. Oh my god! Oh yeah, the way that it, it built up under his scales and shit, like it, it, it was like glowing from his from inside of him. Oh my god! Yeah, watching the fire build in like his throat, it was like a furnace. You could see it, and it it kind of reminded me of like watching uh, Iron Man with the uh, what would they call it, the Extremis? Yeah, or like Man of yeah. Steel, right before he blasted his eye beams. His yeah, underneath his skin would glow. Yeah. It, right before it was like a furnace burning underneath his skin and his throat. Right before he unleashed it in like like a flamethrower, it was awesome. That was so cool. Uh, yeah, but, but you're right. There were times where you're just kind of wondering, like, how are they not all dead yet? Like, uh, how is this uh, giant think, dragon not killed these guys yet? Yeah, my thinking out of that was is you know, Smog seemed to be smart. Seem to be bored. You know, he's probably been sleeping. Probably, you know, nobody's seen him or heard of him in sixty years or whatever it was. And maybe he was just, you know, it, it was it was fun time. Now it's like, okay, well, these guys are coming here to to try to outsmart me. Let me see how smart they are. And he seemed to have that kind of presence. But I felt like that, I felt like he felt like that when it was just Bilbo. But when it actually came down to like. He knew that Thorin Oakenshield was involved in this, and he saw Thorin. I thought then he was like, "Okay, shit, it's time to fuck some shit up. Now I'm yeah. gonna kill you. Now you're dead." I felt like he was just toying with Bilbo at first, but when it actually came down to Thorin, he was like, "Okay, you're dead. I'm gonna kill you." Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I, I do, but I, th- I think at that point, you know, he tried. I mean, he did. I mean, he did burn him. Uh, you know, ever so slightly, but You're right, yeah. I, I just think that at that point, that you know, when they started s- splitting up and, 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 and getting into their little plan, I think that he. You're right. I mean, he probably should have just set fire to the whole damn. Well, place. we also but, have to understand that, guys. It's not like it, uh, I understand that Smog's been living there, but at the same time, these dwarves are kind of familiar. This is their turf. This is their home territory. You know, they're playing on, this is, you know, this is their home field. So they know where they're at. 
And yeah, and he can't fit everywhere as we saw. You know, as they were going in, in and out of places, uh-huh. you know, he can't get into those same places. And... Right. They. I mean, I guess the dwarves did have home court, home court advantage, if you want to say, because like they know where they're going, and and they did have a plan in place, as we saw uh, where it ends with Smog. He got blasted by the molten gold. We saw hey, that. that. That was really awesome when they when they dropped. The uh, the stone from around that yes. and like and we they, saw... they really showed that Smog's face really emoted really well there you know and like I remember one time you were giving me shit saying that something with a snout can't emote but that shit was You're right. you could see he, he, there was he was just in awe when he saw that he was so blinded by his own greed when he yeah. saw this huge thing of gold that he completely forgot about what the hell was happening around him yeah he saw that uh, the huge uh, statue of gold the dwarven king. Uh, in gold, um, and uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I was wrong when it comes to that. Uh, I, I'll admit it. I'll eat crow on that one because I did see that in his face. He totally emoted it, and uh, you know, I and, thought of the, I thought the same thing when they said that. I was like, I bet you Steve break that shit up. It's the lizard. <laughs> and then I thought to myself, I you bet, better believe it. And then I thought to myself, that bastard still doesn't like almost human, so I'm never going to admit it. So fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> but it was cool like okay when 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 the gold when it when it started to melt and smog got blasted with it he looked awesome as he was an all golden smog that was awesome that was did, amazing did it bring back memories did it bring back memories of the beowulf uh <laughs> CG movie at the end when he was fighting that giant gold dragon when he started to fly away. That was pretty cool. I didn't think of that, but I did love that Beowulf movie, by the way. I was going to say, yeah, I didn't think of that, but you're right. It's very similar. But yeah, that was awesome how he he was like covered in gold and he blasted out of there and he went to fly in the air and he kind of like rained gold. He made it rain. It was kind of like the end of Terminator 2 when uh, the T-1000 got... uh, you know, frozen and then melted and then came out. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he uh, he flies up in the air. And it was just wa- it was cool watching him like s- like kind of like uh, do these uh, spin and twists in the air as he shook the gold off. And he's like, "All right, now I'm gonna fuck up the town." And then now I believe it cuts back to Gandalf yet again. Yeah. Does it? Yeah, that's when we see him. He's, he's locked up in a cage, and he's looking. Very at all briefly, the, uh, we just see him locked up in a cage. Yeah, right. really he's quickly. About orcs marching, marching towards a certain war. You know, uh, you know when the uh, necromancer speaks. Uh, you know, Sauron when he speaks. Yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch suggested to uh, to read the necromancer's black speech backwards. He said it makes it sound more diabolical and unholy, and it worked. I thought it did. It was, it freaked me the hell out. Yeah, that was it. Was really cool. Really, in in uh, watching it in IMAX with the sound system that they had there, when the necromancer, when Sauron spoke, it it spoke through you, like you could feel it. It was amazing. I didn't. I didn't get the. Uh, I must not have gotten that full effect. It was cool, but I, I didn't. It wasn't life changing for me. Either. Oh God! <laughs> it, it, no, I'm not. Well, I'm not saying like I pissed my pants and then like you know like. Oh God, it's so good. I didn't get down on my knees and start praying to all God or something like that. But it was it was pretty awesome. No, I, I agree. I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm shocked at at how much Cumberbatch did for these roles, being basically kind of just. 
a voice actor. Yeah, uh, yeah. But he he brought a lot to it. Like, I, I I was shocked. I didn't I didn't know going in that he was those voices. Um, I knew I knew you know I heard the because I wanted to go in kind of as, as spoiler free and everything. I didn't I didn't pay attention. And then uh, you know I was telling telling my wife afterwards. I was like I was like, did you see Benedict Cumberbatch in this movie? And she's you know we we couldn't figure out where he was. And then. We waited for the credits, and, and that's when I saw that he was the voices. I was just like, "Wow, he did an impressive job!" Because I, I did not pick that up that he was both those, uh, you know, both those characters. Yeah, I knew going in that he was, so I, I was yeah. I was catching it the whole time. I was like, "Man, this is an awesome little Sherlock reunion right here." Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was. Yeah, because you've got uh, um, uh, Bilbo. Uh, what's Martin Freeman? Martin Freeman. That's that's Watson. Yep. Yeah, so that that was really cool, and I didn't know that he did the Necromancer's voice though. So that's 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 interesting. I wanted uh, before this movie, uh, before they cast Benedict Cumberbatch as uh, Smog, I wanted uh, uh, Leonard Nimoy to be the voice of Smog. That's who I wanted to be the voice of Smog, and I still think that Leonard Nimoy would have been an awesome voice of Smog. Yeah, I, I think that would have worked as well. I'm, I'm trying to I'm, I'm trying to you know listen to. You know how you know his voice right now, trying to trying to read those lines. I, I think it would have worked, but I think Cumberbatch did a great job. So yeah, I, I I'm, gonna, no I'm gonna yeah, yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch killed it. Good job, stole Smog stole the shot. I mean, that's what everybody went to this movie to see. It's right, right in the title. So. That's the whole reason I got in the car and drove an hour away to see this in IMAX because I wanted to see Smog on the biggest screen possible. So. Uh, all right, so basically the movie ends where we're going to see Smog attacking the town of Dale in the next film, correct? Not Did- since The Sopranos. <laughs> I mean, holy crap, this shit just ended. I was like, what? Yeah, I didn't really care. <laughs> what? Yeah, I, I, that's, where I don't, that's where I don't like the pacing, and I, that's where I don't like the flipping back and forth between, like, you know, uh, you know what's happening with Gandalf and Smog and all this stuff. It's like I think this could have been a two movie deal. I think they could have ended it. I think they could have ended the movie th- in this movie. I don't think they could. Have, I don't think they could have gone three movies. Like I always, and then Bill really wouldn't have cared about any of the dwarves. I think he could have though. I think he could have though. If you would have left out all the extra stuff with with Gandalf and, and 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 things like that that you could have put in the extended edition, I think you could have kind of like wrapped this up in a nice little bow and given it two movie treatment. I don't think you had yeah. to go three movies. Yeah, I think we were all excited for the two movies when it was announced that it was just going to be two. Um, I think we all kind of agreed that it was a cash grab when, when they announced it was they were splitting it up into three. Well, and I think and I think they proved it. I mean, I, again, it was it was a good movie, but it, you're you're right. If they would have been able to kind of trim the fat here and end the movie, and give you that extra probably good hour to take this thing to the end, on, on top of the I'm talking about the length, I, I think I think this would have this movie could have been an epic. Yeah, yeah. I, I still like it. I give it the taste. It taste it is a good rating. I yeah, give it, I, I I agree. I give it a taste, and I'm gonna I'm gonna own it. I'm sure of it. Oh, absolutely. It's but it's you know, fuck that Tupperware. This shit was great, son. <laughs> so good. The only thing that sucks, though, like I said, like the I think the first words out of my mouth when it when it ended, I was like bullshit. 
But, but see, I, just, I, I think it was just more because I wanted to see more. I wanted to see him attack I, the town. I, think I didn't know that it was already 240 in. I think it's crazy to give it a Tupperware, honestly, because, like, okay, then if you give this a Tupperware, did you give all the original Lord of the Rings movies a Tupperware as well? Yes. Okay. I, okay. I mean, I, I think it's crazy to give almost human a Tupperware, but, you know, here we are. <laughs> Oh man! Try, trying to compare Almost Human with this movie—that's that, not a comparison. It's not a comparison. I'm just saying, like, I don't know. I, like, I don't know. I, I don't know what to tell you. I loved it. I loved it. I, I, I I'm gonna be there to see the next one. I'm gonna own this the first day it comes out. What was what question? 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 Okay, let's go back to Lord of the Rings. What? Okay, rate the Lord of the Rings movies. What? What's your favorite Lord of the Rings movie? Two towers. Two towers all the way. Exactly. What's yours? T- what's yours, Alil? Fellowship. What? What? You crazy? Do you guys? No, hey, because that's can, can where I, I fell in love with these characters. Can I make? I a, understand the two towers. You had the great war, the great Helm's set pieces. Deep was like holy shit. I agree. I, I. But again, I've given all three of them a Tupperware. The those three movies to me, how I watch them now. I, I when when the when I got all the extended editions, I took the day off of work and sat there for twelve hours, watched them all back to back to back. To me, it's 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 kind of one movie. But if I had to pick one, the Fellowship, because that was where I developed those those bonds, and I learned about everything. I learned about Aragorn, and I learned about what was going on with him. You, you you fell in love with Sam seeing uh, Samwise seeing how he took care of Frodo. You saw you know what they had to sacrifice to, to split up, and how at the very end of that movie, you know they're saying, "Well, the Fellowship is lost," and they're basically not you know basically saying that you know it, it hasn't because they still have to go save Merry and Pippin, and they're not going to give up on this. And it, it 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 got me ready for those next movies. You needed this setup and this, these movies and this love for these characters to keep it going, and that's why I think the Fellowship. I think it should have won the damn Oscar that year myself as well, just like the Return of the King did. But how how hard though is it? Okay, in my opinion, the follow up with the second movie that's harder. That right, that in itself is fucking awesome. That the second movie. Can be just as epic. I, because, I agree. But, but okay, because like any time, the first time, the first time you do anything is awesome. The first time you do okay, like I remember, like okay, the first time you take a bite into food that you really like. Okay, let's say you go to Arby's and you eat in a roast beef and cheddar. The first bite is always the best, right? Okay, the second bite is not always as good. Okay, so. I can agree that like okay, the first time I saw the Lord of the Rings. You know, fellowship is pretty cool, man. I had I I really enjoyed it, but for another movie to like come in and still like knock me on my ass and be like, "Holy shit, that was awesome!" Yeah, see, the, but, but the two towers me, did that with that battle with the orcs towers, yeah, with the with the comedy that the two towers had in it with the with the uh, the ends and the you all the characters were established now. Now they could play with them. Well, the fact that, that that battle where the where they are uh, throwing up the uh, ladders and they're all you know they're 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 you know going over the going over the wall and they're and they're and you can hear them like blowing on their horns and shit and you got the fucking elves there standing with them and stuff and 
dude, hold, hold, and dude, it's fucking awesome. It's yeah, fucking no, it was really awesome. Good. You can't. I mean, we're we're really arguing about nothing. I mean, because no, we're yeah, we're arguing about two movies that we love. I mean, yeah, that. You know, you go ask anybody, they're gonna they're gonna tell you the same thing. I mean, all three of the well, movies. I, say, what, I, I, I guarantee you, there's somebody out work. there right now that's saying, you know what, fuck, I I hate Arby's beef and cheddars. <laughs> that guy knows nothing <laughs> what he's talking about. I prefer the beef and croissants. I like and... I like the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, what it... the fuck is Arby's? <laughs> <laughs> Are you serious? No, I'm just joking. I, I just thought it would like, be funny if you didn't think fuck? California had Arby's. <laughs> I, I was wondering. I was like, shit. <laughs> but, I mean, we can, we can make the same argument for Return of the King. I mean, what third movie to end the trilogy has been as good as the, the prior two? And I think, you know, the, the, the battle sequences in there and, you know, the, the ending and everything and, you know, just everything. I mean, these movies were, this is my favorite trilogy of all time. Barn, I know I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big Star Ooh, Wars fan. Those are strong words, and, man. And, you know, even, you know, whatever. These three movies, top to bottom, I don't think can be beat together. And then you add on that extended edition, it's just, it's just so much. And I, I think that's my problem with The Hobbits is because I go back to these similar to, you know, with Star Wars and then going back to the prequel. I mean, we can all agree that Phantom Menace was just not great, but when, when you go into a movie series and they can't, it doesn't live up, even, even, even if it's a small decline, which I think The Hobbit is. I think The Hobbits are they're great movies, but they're not in the same league. As, no, they're as, not. But they could they could never be though because I mean you're basing this on a Peter Jackson is doing the best that he can with the source material he was given. I mean, he is compensating like I said earlier, he's compensating for lack of depth and like epicness with the visuals. Can we all agree? Because I mean, this is a children's book. The Hobbit is a children's book. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think he's doing the best that he can, and as far as what I'm concerned, I love the best that he can do because it's it's great. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I mean, I'm still gonna own them. I'm still gonna watch them. I'm gonna watch them multiple times. I I have no be. I you know my my beefs with it are 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 you know from an A to a B. Not we're not talking you know uh, an A to a, a C minus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. You know, which, which you know, we can save for some other movies. You know, the, the, the hey, thing just so everybody knows that was another rating system that you just tried to use. <laughs> everybody can jump on a Lil's ass I, now. I, too. I already said, I already said tasted. <laughs> Talk about the differences between you know the, the tasted and the Tupperware. In this case, it is that borderline. That's this is why I was having a struggle all weekend. I did not know until you asked me that question which way I was going to go. I was gonna. I, I was ready to say Tupperware, but what kept holding me back was the fact that I do not love the dwarves as much as I love the hobbits and the fellowship. Uh, you know that 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 mesh together. No, 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 no. That makes totally that makes total sense. If you are comparing this movie to the Lord of the Rings, which I think you should, if you're comparing this movie to my favorite movie in the trilogy, the first original trilogy, the Two Towers. This is not on the same par of the two towers. 
This no. is going to be a taste it where the two towers is going to be a Tupperware. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, exactly. If you're going the sequel to the sequel, definitely. I mean, yes. Now, if guys, if we were talking about like, I don't think you should judge certain movies the same that you should judge other movies. Like, I don't think you should judge like a horror film on the same scale that you should judge like a Lord of the Rings movie. I mean, you know, it, there's never going to be a horror movie, in my opinion, that's going to live up to, like, the epicness of, like, a Lord of the Rings movie. You should just base it on other horror movies. You shouldn't base it on, like, a Lord of the Rings movie. Just, like, but I am going to judge a Hobbit movie on what we've seen in Lord of the Rings. And this is not as epic as The Two Towers or even Return of the King. So that's why I had to give it a taste it. Tupperware. <laughs> Enough said. And that and that's fine. I, 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 hey, I think I think we're all we're we're arguing here. You know, very not that much. No, there's, we're not arguing. We're not. We're, we're I, basically telling everybody here that they need to see it. I'll tell and you that, one thing. I that's lo- it. I love the fact that Steve gave it a Tupperware. That makes me happy. I, I want more people to give it a Tupperware. Me watching it, I give the first hour, hour twenty minutes. I give it a Tupperware. Until and I, I give all the smog scenes a Tupperware. It's where they cut away. With I think it fucks with it's, the pacing. It's Gandalf. It's it's the Gandalf yeah. scenes that which, where he leaves, and then you've got to see him doing his thing because you I can't lo- have. Yeah, I Ian love McKellen. those. I love those scenes, but I think it hurts the overall story. I do. Yeah. I I think it fucks with the pace of those smog scenes. Do you guys? Do you guys see what I'm saying? No, I see what you're. I see what you're saying with that. Yeah, I, that does make sense. But I think the overall general consensus here is is that everybody, every member of the leftover army, has to see this flick. Yeah, we, you got to see it. You got to see it. It's a great movie. Now, what are the critics giving this movie? I went to IMDb. IMDb right now has it at an eight point six out of ten. So that's that's really good. Yeah, that's that's, that's, that's not bad at all. I think I think it was less on if you go to Rotten Tomatoes. If you go to Rotten Tomatoes, well, it depends. It's seventy four percent. It's seventy four percent for the critics. Yeah, and then for the users, it was at an eighty eight percent. Yeah, but both are still fresh. They're both considered fresh. Seventy four percent is still considered fresh. Oh yeah, no, no, yeah, seventy four percent is is great, especially for. For a sequel like this, I yeah. mean, I, I don't think it's it's bad at all. I mean, it's not gonna. Oh, look at look at Man of Steel. What's Man of Steel got? I mean, fifty five. Um, I think it was fifty four. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Metacritic. Yeah, that's that ain't it, right? Which it deserves. Oh, uh, you son of a bitch. Uh, Metacritic. I. You know what? Zack Snyder's got balls for what he did in that movie, and uh, it worked for me. I saw that movie. I see. I see the rails. They're, 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 they're veering off to the left. I, I, I saw Man of Steel. I, when that movie came out, I saw it three times. I saw it Friday, then I went again, saw it Saturday, and then I w- said, fuck it, I'm gonna see it again on Sunday. I mean, I saw that movie three times. I, I loved that movie. I love that, that movie pass. I need to get the movie pass because seriously, that would have saved me some money. Uh, but Metacritic has the critics giving it a 66 based on 44 critics. And then Metacritic for the public audience is at an eight point five. Well, it sounds it sounds like it's pretty much um, getting getting good reviews. It is getting good. There's, reviews. there's going to be people that don't like it, but haters are going to hate, and there's always going to be people that don't like good movies. 
So, but as far as the leftovers are concerned, it's it, a it's a it's a it's a go. Yeah, absolutely, definitely see this movie, especially see. I, I, I just okay, just seeing this in IMAX 3D, watching Smog in IMAX 3D is worth it. It is amazing. Um, there are. There are scenes where I'm laughing, I'm smiling. Scenes where there are scenes where uh, where uh, smog actually made my heart race. Like I was scared. Like holy shit, dude! This this fucking dragon is intimidating as shit. Um, it's a great movie. I, I liked it. I, I just I think it had some pacing issues, which that's the only reason I give it a taste. It. No, I, I agree with you there, but to, but to add to that, I never. I thought the, the the dragon was. I thought he was great, but I never got scared for the characters with him. And that and I guess maybe that's my disconnect with with loving the characters and then knowing that Bilbo wouldn't be hurt. You know that whole scene with them talking. I I I knew nothing was going to happen. I mean, and that, I think that's the problem with. No, with I tried the, to put myself into Bilbo's shoes. The size, the sheer size of looking at this dragon, being in the same room with this dragon. I tried to put myself into his shoes. Like, I knew nothing was going to happen to Bilbo. I've read the book. I've watched the cartoon. But at the same time, seeing him on the screen and the size of Bilbo compared to the size of Smog, I was just, like, looking at him and just trying to put myself in his shoes. Like, what if you saw this creature in front of you? Like, I would be scared to death to see a tiger face-to-face, let alone fucking smog. I was yeah. just like, holy shit. I just tried to, I tried to put myself in his shoes for just a moment, and it scared me. Like, oh my god. This, this is one majestic, amazing beast. I would be scared to death. Yeah, and I think, I mean, everybody that's seen this movie knows that nothing happens to Bilbo. They've seen him portrayed in the Lord of the Rings movies, or they've seen the cartoon. They know there's a third movie on its way. But I think you have to, you have to kind of try and put that out of your head while you're watching it. You have to be in that moment. And you just kind of have to accept the movie for what it is. It is a prequel, so you do kind of have a, uh, you do know where it's going to go, but you, you can't let that hinder what's happening. It'd be cool if, like, all of a sudden, like, uh, Smog just fucking, like, bit just fucking like ate Bilbo and and then all of a sudden just like ate him and just said hey fuck you fanboys and that was the end of the movie yeah that would have been uh, I probably would have had the same first reaction (laughs) but (laughs) and then they played like some like 80s music or something at the end of the movie yeah the the fucking robot unicorn attack Uh, (laughs) yeah that would have been totally awesome Oh, here we go. End of the movie. <laughs> yeah, that would have been awesome. Uh, uh, I guess the the box office predi- uh, predictions for the movie also fell short, though. Did they really? What are they talking about? Uh, well, the week, they, the they said right now it's uh, the estimates, which is still, I mean, it's, it's a good weekend. Please uh, tell me $60 million. No, no, seventy three six. That's actually that's more than I thought. But yeah, they and were, it's number they were, one. They they took down they took down a Disney movie. You got to remember that too. Frozen. There's a huge Disney movie out right now, and they actually beat it 
So that's rare in itself. Yeah, but Frozen's been out for a while. I mean, Frozen's been out since Thanksgiving, so it, it's not like it, it took it down opening weekend. Yeah, but have you read any bad reviews on Frozen? No, I, I can't wait to see it with my kids. We're actually planning in a couple weeks to It is to seriously, take them. like, that movie is, like, picking up steam, and I think... Huge. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm, yeah the, to take down Frozen even a week out honestly is uh pretty impressive because that movie i've i haven't heard a bad thing from it like everybody has been just raving about that movie yeah i mean it, frozen's been out for 24 days already so are you serious I, 24 days yeah. it came out the same the same day as catching fire oh, shit i thought huh. i thought it yeah just I, been, I thought i didn't think yeah. it got that long um, yeah okay uh, well that makes more sense then. it's made 100 it's made 164 million in uh 24 days so it's, maybe but, maybe if I get Movie Pass, I'll uh, go see Frozen. There you go. Uh, but it, it, yeah, it's made seventy three six. The initial projections for the, uh, I think they were looking at eighty five, and right now it's about uh, a little under ten million under what uh, the first Hobbit made at the same time. So I mean, but they always do this. I mean. You know, the I think Two Towers made less than the Lord of the Rings. That you know, the sequel to the Harry Potter movie made less than the first one, and then, then that final one, will, the box office will bounce back up because everybody will want to see the ending. It's just crazy that people are not rushing out to the theaters to see Smog. I, that, I mean, seriously, I remember like, I, re- I don't know. I've just always wanted to see a live action Smog. Like that, that right there is worth the price. Price of admission for me. Well, live action, live action dragons are rarely done right. So yeah, remember Dragonheart? Do you remember Dragonheart? Hey, at the time that was the no, shit. no, no, no. I mean, <laughs> yeah, at the time that was awesome. Okay, yeah, you've got Sean Connery, Sean Connery playing the voice of a dragon, and it was awesome at the time. And but like the smog is the granddaddy of all dragons, and I think I think Peter Jackson, Peter Jackson. And the team behind the uh, the visuals, the CG of Smog, they th- that right there is worth some kind of a, of an award. It, it was it was absolutely phenomenal. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure they'll be up for a lot of things next year. I don't I don't, do, I don't think they get any because uh, they already announced the the Oscar, all the the nominees right before this came out. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think this is kind of late in the game, don't you think? Yeah. But for the for the weekend, I mean, seventy three six Frozen was second place at twenty two, and then uh, Medea's Christmas was at sixteen, which I you know I I, I don't know. I don't, don't want to do a Tyler Perry uh, series here. Yeah, but, but those Tyler Perry movies always make money, dude. They always do. Well, anyways, that was the Hobbit. I mean, we're going to be back here next year, right? When the third one comes out, so. Well, I'm going to be back here next year. I don't know about your ass, yeah. Steve. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'll be back next year either. Especially if you keep hating on freaking Almost Human. That's what I'm saying. Alil's going to be back here next year as long as he likes Almost Human. Uh, once again, I'm not Come doing it. Steve, you got to learn. I'm not, yeah. I'm not licking. I'm not doing it. No, I'm, right now, I'm. If, if I had to rate you, Steve, I'm going to give you a toss it because you don't like Almost Human. I yeah. give that shell toss it. I give your fucking opinion a toss it. I give this whole goddamn thing a toss it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you're going to be back here next year, Steve, because you don't fucking bow down to my bullshit. You say, fuck you, you say, fuck you say, fuck the man, fuck the establishment, 
fuck all that shit. I'm going to give this a Tupperware. I'm going to give this a toss it. I, fuck you. Fuck the world. Blah, 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 blah. I love it, Steve. That's why you're on the show. That's where you're <laughs> See, left now, over. Now everybody's going to think I'm an ass kisser here. You are. You you're know? a fucking – Because I like it. You're a fucking company man. You're a fucking company <laughs> man, Alil. That's what you are. You're fucking wearing a Pop Culture Leftovers t-shirt over there, aren't you, motherfucker? Huh? I- I you're, am. I actually got the logo, the you, old logo yeah, tattooed Yeah, you're, you're waving the fucking Pop Culture Leftovers foam finger and shit, aren't you? I, it's true. Oh, you, the, the, the theme song is my ringtone, everything. I love it. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I just love it so much. You know what? And for that, I'm going to keep you on the show. I don't care. Whatever. Fuck it. All right. We're the Leftovers. Hey, I had a lot of fun recording the show. One last thing I wanted to point out that I thought, I thought was weird, I just wanted to point it out, was um, you know how we saw Orlando Bloom in this film? Uh, he played uh, King Thandral's son. Uh, interesting fact, Orlando Bloom is actually two years older than Lee Pace. Huh. Who plays <laughs> his father. That's so, pretty funny. Yeah. So I think we're going to end the show on that. Um, if this is the first episode that you've ever listened to, we are the Pop Culture Leftovers. What we do is every week we talk about uh, the latest geek news in pop culture. Pop culture um, and, uh, you know, a lot of times we'll review a movie. But, um, you know, I, I'm glad you, you listened to our Hobbit episode. I hope you liked it. But uh, please stick around and listen to more episodes. Uh, wouldn't you guys agree? Oh, Definitely. yeah. Yeah. All right. Once again, come I'm, back. Come back. Once again, I'm Brian. I'm Steve. And I'm a Lil. We're the Pop Culture Leftovers, and we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. And as always, check out our website, www.popcultureleftovers.com. We've got great articles there. Comic reviews, movie reviews, television reviews. It's awesome. Check it out. And if you're interested in writing for the site, uh, we definitely need more writers. So send an email to domesticateddave at gmail.com. And if David Griffin likes what he reads, he'll get in contact with you. And you can be part of the team. Remember, this is a non-paying gig, but it's a really cool way to have your voice heard. And we'd love to read your submissions. So get in contact with David. And thank you. And check us out on Tumblr, too, motherfuckers. <laughs> and don't forget, we're on Instagram, too. <laughs> yeah, that just happened. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a wall. It's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, clean, erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over, counterculture, push over. Pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good. 